I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his MB. Episode 56. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His MB. This episode, we are talking all things Bravo TV this week and last week as we are catching up on everything that we've been missing in our little time off. Um, so we're really excited to be talking about all of it with you. But before we do any of that, we have a few housekeeping notes to get out of the way first. First of all, uh, right now, wherever you're listening to us, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, just take a second, pause this podcast, and go leave a rating and a review uh, on our podcast because it's so, so, so helpful to us because it helps us get into that algorithm. It helps us get seen by more and more people. Um, we are so very appreciative whenever you do leave that rating and a review. So. We're really hoping that you do. Um, also, if you follow us across our social medias, at uh, Again is MB, uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Uh, you can see clips from the podcast. You can see uh, our initial thoughts of things that we're watching and our live tweets. Um, all our instant thoughts and everything extra here from Again is MB you can find across our social media over there. You can also get merchandise from us over at againisnb.threadless.com. And that's where you can get a bunch of different designs on a bunch of different items, including t-shirts and mugs and stickers and just a lot of cool different things. Um, We love our designs over there and we hope you do too over at againisnb.threadless.com. And finally, if you have a question that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, uh, you can submit that to us across the social media platforms that I mentioned before, or you can submit it to againisnb at gmail.com and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast, we would love to hear your questions. So be sure to send those in. Um, babe, what do we have in store on this Bravo episode? It is a packed one. It really is. We've got um, both the finale episode and the first part of the reunion for Roni in this new era of Roni. I'm really excited to talk about that. Lots of things. Oh, lots of good things happening in that. Um, then we're also going to be talking about the uh, first episode of this new season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Finally, we get uh, some Beverly Hills discussion. That should be fun. <laughs> oh, that'll be good. Uh, but before we get to any of that, we got to talk about Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City for this week. Uh, it's Easter. Sorry, I, I mispronounced it. It's Greek Easter. Greek Easter. Greek <laughs> Greekster. Greek Greekster. Yeah, sure. Angie, so we, because we start the scene at Angie's house getting ready for the party, and Angie, Angie and her confessional going, Greek Easter is celebrating Christ's resurrection. And I'm like, that's, that's just, just Easter. Easter. Let's <laughs> just, just because you put Greek on it doesn't mean like, mm. we'll get to it. I didn't, mm. this oh. was the most actual Greek episode, I will say, but like, and I appreciated that, but I was like, I have Greek fatigue. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. But she walks in with this someone in this fucking bunny suit. I, I, uh, this was terrifying. <laughs> so bad. I don't like, I, and it was, it was a little too like generic. Well, and it's also like the third time that we've had like these weird deliveries of invitations mm-hmm. by a third party in a gimmick. I think it's the third time, right? Because we I, had the mime on Potomac. We had Candy taking the two from Candy and the Gang. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. Was there a clown at some point? Maybe. That's Maybe. A- but then there's this bullshit. And it's no, like, what is this? No one tops the mime on Potomac. That's one of the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> but. When Karen just won't pay him any attention. <laughs> who are you? 
It's so good. But I will say the Easter Bunny kind of rivaled it here. The scene where he goes up to Mary's car, knocks on it, and Mary just slowly rolls down her window and the uncomfortable smile on her face. It's not even uncomfortable. It's, it's harrowing. Like, uh-huh. Like, this woman is going through it in this moment. <laughs> and I know it's production, but I'm all, I also was like, how did they get the bunny in Heather's car to, like, scare her? That was, like, that's some, like, uh, slasher film bullshit. Like, you don't do that to people. Uh, so bad. Um, we then go to Whitney and Justin going out to on a dinner date. And they're, you know, they're like, we, it's our first kind of big, like, sit-down dinner date in a while. We haven't had it because our stuff's been so busy. We we I feel like we have thoughts on this controversial thoughts. Ugh. Um, maybe not controversial. Who knows? Um, Whitney's asking about work, Justin's work, and Justin goes like, "Yeah, it's just crazy to you know be in a full time work routine again. Like it's quite overwhelming to try to balance it all." Whitney then like pulls a face as he's saying this. She goes, "You're feeling overwhelmed." <laughs> Justin goes a little bit, and Whitney goes, "I feel like I'm sinking," which okay. That's fine. But like uh. I was here's the thing. I don't know how much of the home stuff got thrown back onto her. Sure. Um because he was now going to be going back to work, which is not fair. It should not be happening. Like we've said before, it should be an equitable division of labor. But she should also be showing a little bit of empathy to this guy. Or just, in certain respects, communicate. I know she says, like, I need to work on my communication. She's been saying that, like, all season. But then you actually have to do that. Yeah. Like, you can't just say, I need to work on it, and that's all you do. Whitney goes, in the mornings, you coming down and sitting on the couch and turning on the TV and getting on Instagram drives me fucking nuts. And Justin goes, I'm not getting on Instagram. <laughs> It's like, okay, that was the part that you were upset about? Okay. <laughs> like, I wasn't vain checking my Instagram. <laughs> I guess, but it's just like. And then R- Whitney retells this, like, whole story about how she was, like, juggling all these things one morning. She was, like, cooking bacon for breakfast while also making lunch for the kids. And then the kids were fighting, and she was having to referee the fight. And then her dog, Rocky, like, peed on the couch. And then she had to go and, like, get Rocky outside. And then the bacon started burning, and the fire alarm went off. And she's like, and I look over, and Justin's just on his phone. Can't you, like, flip the bacon or whatever? And you made a great point, which was, like... Why not have him help with the kids or like you're literally cooking bacon it's such a thin piece of meat it goes very quickly you really need to be paying attention to what's happening in the pan and if he's just on his phone maybe ask him to help with the dog that just peed on the couch or help corral the children why are you expecting him to automatically jump up and flip the bacon of all things it's like like that's the lowest on the priority list right but even on the baseline like you have to say something right why like i i get the whole like well men should men get away with just like sort of not being told certain things and it's like okay but like okay but you also have to realize that if he's not correcting the children it's because he's not having a problem with it so he doesn't realize that you have a problem with it. So you need to then communicate that that is not behavior you want to allow to 
happen. Yeah. And he needs to help you in corralling that. Because the, mm, I don't want to get off on a tangent about, like, uh, the whole uh, weaponized incompetence thing. But I think that most men just don't give a fuck. It's not that they're, like, saying, well, I'm going to... Like, not maniacally, but... um, um, Intentionally. um, I'm going to, like, actively try to do bad in something so that you don't ask me to do it again. Yeah. It's that their level of standard is a lot lower. Like, you see these memes of people, of men that are single that literally have a mattress against the wall and a, a, a TV against the other wall. And then... People are like, well, why aren't you living in more than that? Because he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And he's not going to magically give a fuck just because he's with someone or because he has children. He doesn't need much to be happy. And he will wash a dish when he then needs to use the dish. You can't expect him to adhere to your level of thinking. Like, I'm off on the tangent. So, like, that's... But just talk. Like, like you like, have to communicate. You have to set standards between the two of you as to what is acceptable and what isn't. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not actually willing to be in a committed relationship with someone. But it's it's it speak it speaks to it because Whitney says like that brings up that you know I had a really hard time one morning and then like Justin like basically like ignored me. Whitney goes, why wouldn't you just be like, are you okay? Do you want to talk? And then Justin goes, I'm willing to talk about things, but it's really hard for me to like bring them up. And then Whitney goes, but I don't always want to be the one to bring them up. Tough shit. I don't like, like, I'm so, like, don't be like, I don't understand the like being so upset, upset and like wanting that person to then communicate with you. If I'm upset and not communicating with somebody, I've had that. I mean, there's been moments like with us, with a married couple for, you know, right. how many years. Like, you We've know. We've been married for five years. Please. I don't expect you to come to me and be like, you know, to check on me. I cool, it's, If I'm not talking, it's because I'm cooling off. And right. then, uh, you know, I'll reintroduce and I will bring up why I'm upset. Right. It's not on you. You know what right. I mean? Like, I don't understand that mentality whatsoever. But I also understand, like, if you are, if you're the, like, I shouldn't have to figure out that you're upset. But if you are, like, actively projecting that you're upset, like, if you were sitting on the couch, on the couch crying about something. Right, right, right. It would be really asshole-ish of me to not check on you. Of course. But if it's not something that's that blatant, then I may not notice that you're upset because it's not on my laundry list of things to do. But it's not, but it's like, it's not, it's not even that. It's not up to me to manage your emotional health. Right. Just like it's not on you to manage my emotional health. Like I lean on you to help me with things, but when I ask you to help me, not just because you're gonna just magically do it. Yeah. That's not how that works. Exactly. Justin goes, just like I don't always want to be the one initiating sex. And then Whitney's like, women have to connect to open up to have sex, which is similar to what like Ariana said on Vanderpump Rules. Right. Which, yes, I agree with Whitney, but again, going back to the communication aspect, Ariana has communicated that to Sandoval at the time multiple times. Right. You, over 
years. <laughs> like you can't be you again, you can't expect people to just know these things. Right. Whitney goes, I know it was a stupid fight. I got mad at you for not wearing your wedding ring, so I took mine off. But it's just triggering that you went back to work and I'm at home with the kids and to see your wedding ring in the drawer every day, that hurts me. Whitney goes, growing pains hurt and I just feel like I go through them alone. And Justin goes, don't. And then Whitney goes, but I do. (sighs) Again. But then don't. Like, I just don't get it. Like, open your mouth. Yeah, it's it, you're willing, you, you can't you're, be fed if your mouth's shut. You're willing to t- get talk to get in all these women's business. Like, come on. Right. You know. Um, we see Lisa then go to the Wick Lab with Angie, which is like a can- you make your own candle. It's like a build a bear, but for candles. Um, Lisa going, I'm sure there are people that like pouring hot wax on themselves. That's someone's fetish, not mine. It's like, okay. Okay. Like <laughs> They're, I feel like her and Angie like love to like just sort of like find things that like sort of have these like memeable moments and like you know, um, as they're getting uh, their candles put together, there's an employee who goes up to Lisa and goes, "Are you Jack Barlow's mom?" And she goes, "Yes." And the employee's saying, "So I'm really close friends with Jack." And Lisa goes, "Oh my gosh, I love that." <laughs> did you know Jack was going on a mission? And, and she's like, yeah. She's like, did you know before me? And, and the employee says, yes. And she goes, you did. Oh my God, you're kidding me. And Jack had a billboard for the last two years saying he was going on this mission. It's like, and Lisa was the only one that didn't Lisa see it. Lisa was the only one that didn't see it. Lisa, in her let's face it. I'm not winning any mother of the year awards here. I mean, it's bad. Like, it really is bad. Like, we'll see it later with when we talk about Beverly Hills. It's like that is the polar opposite of, like, you know, healthy relationship with your son. Like, yeah. Um, Angie uh, is telling Lisa, you know, everyone who she's invited to her Greek Easter. And she's like, including Monica. She's like, with everything I went through in Palm Springs, I don't want to leave anybody out. You know, I even was going to invite Meredith after all this stuff happened. And then Lisa goes, Meredith alluded to the fact that she knew something. And with Monica taking it to the next level, one's not worse than the other. They're just as bad. And this was Lisa then trying to, like, sink her nails into this, like, be angry at Monica thing. I think Angie's more than willing to oblige, obviously. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it's really bad. Monica was saying guys had bragged about hooking up with Sean like it was no big deal and she made it seem like she knew the source which I'm like now you're doubling down on this we have so many mutual friends nobody has ever once said that so why are you lying I don't I, I'm maybe Monica is like a schemer behind the scene behind the scenes with everything I don't think that this is the first time anyone has heard about this Sean rumor. I don't either. Well, and also, I just, you didn't know your son was going on this mission. I don't, I don't, I don't trust your level of observation skills. I just don't. And it's like, uh, Angie then goes in her confessional, Monica and I were duped by a very dear friend. That's not what the two of, that's what the two of us connected on. But I'm not sure if our history is enough to sustain what happened in Palm Springs. And now questioning her involvement in the rumor about my marriage. I considered Monica a friend, but I'm starting to see if she was really my friend, she would have handled things a lot differently. And then it gets later to when we get to the Greek Easter thing. They really have spun this narrative of like what Monica, they've they've really recreated the narrative of like how the thing played out at Lisa's apres ski. Mm -hmm. And Whitney is just getting off fully scot-free, by the way. 
Like this was Whitney's project. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. They're now acting as if Monica just went around spreading this rumor at this party unprompted by anything. How? Come on. It's so, it's so bad. Um, it, oh, oh my God. So then this scene, I, this was the weirdest scene in housewives. We go to Mary's house Oh dear God! and she's there with Robert jr. She just goes at one. They're like, you know, having coffee and Mary goes, why am I hearing rumors that you're married? And then Robert, can I say Robert jr. Is a little weird to me. I get, he's a, he's, well, he's not a kid. He's like 20, right? He's like still uh-huh. at least somewhat an adult. He's just kind of like smiling through the, throughout this. And but, it's, but not like a confident smile or a happy smile. It's like that smile you smile when you're still trying to maybe convince someone that you didn't steal the cookies from the cookie jar, but you absolutely stole all the cookies from the cookie jar. And now yeah. you're trying to have a tummy ache, but you don't want to let on because that tells you that you stole the cookies from the cookie jar. He's just very guilty smiling. But also like the smile, but like all those scenarios when you're like 10. Yes. And he's like 20. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mary goes, so if I'm hearing it from people, I want to hear it from you. And Robert goes, uh, I don't know. And then Mary goes, you don't know? Yes or no? No? Yes? Maybe? Sort of? And Robert Jr. goes, I mean, kind of, yeah. Like, like I went to the courthouse. And Mary just bug-eyed going, what? <laughs> <laughs> how do you even analyze this 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 feels like their relationship feels so weird it felt weird like seasons ago remember when they went out for that grilled cheese and she was like he's gonna go to military school yeah like there's something odd and Look, I just, as bad as i feel like lisa barlow and her son's relationship is to the point that she didn't know he was going on this mission her child did not get married and has his wife living in her house with him for a year and it went unnoticed. Yeah. And it, that's and, a level of like. And Robert Jr. says it's been almost a year since they went to the courthouse. So it's not like he just did this. And she lives there. The woman he is married to lives. In his room, in Mary's house, and Mary remembered them getting all dressed up one day and rushing out of the house. And he was, like, dressed up nice, and, like, she was dressed up nice, but they were, like, running, like, full-blown running with all their might. And she didn't question it. But it's, like, that also confuses me, because I'm, like... And she's living in the house! I just, I just, I, oh, oh. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, this woman is, like, batty. But the fact that they were running makes it so much odder that he's married to this woman and still in Mary's house. Because to me, I'm like, oh, he got married to this woman to, like, flee his crazy mother who's a cult leader who, No, like, they stayed there. He's still in the house. Like, like. <laughs> I just, I, I need to meet this child. Mary and then Mary starts crying and she goes you know I don't have any you know I don't have nobody else I just have you and I'm like I'm what about your husband <laughs> like who we haven't seen all season yeah what about your husband <laughs> <Husband. laughs> 
And then Robert Grand, just... Grand, Grandbind? I mean, which one's better? Because grandpa and husband, you got to kind of... I mean, it's the same person. Anyway, continue. Yeah. And then Mary gets... Or no, sorry. Robert, like, gets up and, like, awkwardly hugs her while he's, like, still smiling. Like, he, the smile doesn't leave his... He's just uncomfortable, I guess. I don't know. And then Mary goes, don't ever be afraid to tell me anything. And I'm like, Mary, he's afraid. He's beyond afraid. Like, what? Like, you should have been having this conversation years ago. I just, I don't understand. And he's like, I, it's fine. It's cool. Like, there's, the, I don't even, again, it's like, how do you even analyze this scene? This doesn't feel real. And, and not that it, it's like they're faking it. It's like, I, uh... <laughs> I, 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 I don't understand. I, I don't think I'm ever going to understand. I, I just have to leave it at that. I, there's nothing else to say. Yeah. We see a quick scene that, uh, there wasn't much in it, but Heather was FaceTiming her daughter, Ashley. Um, cause she's, she just came back from spring break in Cabo. And I love Heather being like, I see all of Ashley's friends and they're all, you're either on a mission or they're married and she's in a string bikini in Santa Barbara. And I'm just like, thank heavens. Like, I, I, we joked about it in past seasons, but it's like the way I get it. I get it from like a moral standpoint, but the, the fact that Heather tells her daughter, just like, yeah, have sex, like have as much sex as you want. Like do like drink all yeah. good. I get why, because you know, like she's living vicariously through her kids. She says that her daughter ba- is basically what she views. She would have been like if she didn't get into Mormonism. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it's not, maybe the most healthy but at least it's healthier than yeah than what she had and she tells her about you know jack's mission and stuff like that heather says how do i support and be a good friend when what he's doing i'm politically socially emotionally and morally against like i feel sick inside a mission is like boot camp for mormonism it's like entering an army and lisa should probably prepare him for that and i'm like we talked about it last uh episode like it's it's I, I get Heather's point. Like, and when she lays out like that, it's like, yeah, it is like the military, but for Christianity, like, it's like, it's, it's so, it's not just an average like choice that you're making. Yeah. You know? Um, and I actually think we'll get to it later. I think Heather actually handles it somewhat well. I actually, yeah. better than I thought. Um, we then see Meredith going vi- to visit Mary at her house. <laughs> People were saying online, their friendship is the weirdest friendship I've, on Housewives. It doesn't feel real. I don't know what they have in common. None of these people feel real. It's like, like the only person on this cast that feels like a human is Monica. Yeah, kind of. Everyone else look. It's like she walked onto the set of a soap opera. But everyone on the soap opera thinks they're real people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like. Does that does that make sense? Like, it's the only way I could. It's like we're in a simulation, like it's Wandavision. Yes, <laughs> it's very much that. And Monica's the only one from the outside that <laughs> understands what's going on. Um, Mary is like, well, I just had a little conversation with Robert about his um, marital status, and Meredith could wait. What? <laughs> junior i I presume (laughs) it's like yeah no not robert senior which it's like i mean i guess the divorce can be more healthier than what it is now but okay (laughs) she's like everyone knows he's married and i don't like like i should know that you know (laughs) and then meredith goes 
Well, that's a little crazy. I mean, yeah, that's a lot. And Mary's like, let's change the subject. Great conversation. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Like, how are you, like, how is that just like a passing comment? Also, since we're still talking about Mary, I do have to bring up, she has absolutely no right to criticize anyone else's fashion sense or anything else when she has that nasty ass green carpet in her living room. Oh, it's so bad. It is hideous it's so dated it's like it at least is not stained and nasty but the color is hideous it is the most like is that relaxing to you like i don't understand it doesn't look like grass (laughs) i i think that's what she thinks it looks like i i just it's it's not good you have no room to talk about whether that necklace that she wore to the party <laughs> went with the jacket or not. You have no room to talk. You need to just keep your mouth shut when it comes to things about colors going together and looks going together. You literally and have all, no room to talk. And all of the rooms, it's like randomly placed like thrones. Like there's like 80 thrones and they're all like, they're, they're not like laid out in any like actual like manner. They're just like sort of like everywhere. And it's like, what the it's like Turner Broadcasting Network through like TBN, like yeah. Trinity Broadcasting Network. Sorry, not Turner. Threw up on her house. Like you, like you remember TBN yeah, with yeah, yeah. like all the televangelists and whatnot from I the 80s. I didn't watch them, but I know the And like the big pink afros and all like, or not afros, but they were like permed, like picked out hair. It's that. On Housewives. <laughs> on Housewives. <laughs> And I just, you have no room. Yeah. You can't do it. Mary goes, you've been kind of keeping to yourself a little. And Mary goes, it just gets monotonous trying to, like, give people chances and think that you're going to go back into a crowd of people that's going to grow. And they still haven't grown. It's like, just have a little class about yourself. It's like, Mary, like. You are still a whole ass cult leader. I don't want to hear it. You have not grown. Where is your growth? You didn't know your son was married for a year, living in your house with his wife. Meredith goes, look, I could have clapped back right back at Angie. And there's plenty I could have said, and I chose not to. I've been accused of spreading rumors about Sean being gay. Do you understand how insane that is? Uh, and, and Meredith says, in her confessional, the irony is my son is gay. Well, she finally said it. <laughs> she, the words, my son is gay, left, like, like were put together in a sentence. And then, it's like, I don't know why she kept dancing around it. <laughs> like, Well, I, I get why she kept dancing around it. Because Brooks wasn't willing to, like, openly say it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but now, apparently, he's getting stretched every weekend. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> and prancing through the snow like a fucking deer. I don't know what that was. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag same. Um, she goes, I'm on the host committee for the GLAAD Awards. I would never comment on someone's sexuality. Um, and then Mary tells Meredith about Angie's invite, and but that she's basically not thinking of going. I need to see you know, that you do have a soul, that you have substance, that you care about people. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mary's just berating fucking uh, uh, wait staff and fucking servers and like everywhere she goes. And uh, manipulating people in her congregation to sell their house and give her all the money from it. Yeah. The way Meredith. Deli- Allegedly. 
Allegedly. Allegedly, don't sue us. Or don't send Jesus after us. <laughs> That's the bigger worry. I've seen his likes before. <laughs> the way that Meredith delivers this line, Meredith goes, there's a way to walk to somebody like a grown-up and say, I'm upset because of A, B, and C. Not, you're a whore. <laughs> and Meredith goes, no, I'm not going to this Easter bunny hunt. <laughs> Mary, I think Mary genuinely thinks that they were going to hunt Easter bunnies. It literally, like, that man that delivered the uh, invitation was going to be let out into the woods, and then everyone was going to chase him with a shotgun. And Angie's like, it's a Greek thing. <laughs> Opa. We go, speaking of Angie, we go to her uh, getting set up for the, the Greek Easter lunch. You mentioned it. Sean is not beating those rumors. No. You said his pants are painted on. They are painted on. There is tailored, and then there is skin tight. Yeah. These are skin tight. He's got them hips. Like, he's got, like, it was, <laughs> um, and, and he's it, a big old Nelly bottom. Like, can we talk about it? Like, this man is getting turned out more than Brooks. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, wow. Um, wow. Angie, then, uh, this, this I thought was so blatant in terms of housewives oh my god that's how meredith knew brooks saw him on the apps <laughs> is that brooks's type you think i don't know I, who knows but they're all on the same apps depending on which app you're on yeah um angie angie's telling electra like so we got a thousand dollars in one so th- uh we can all do uh Ze- uh which is like the dollar dance or whatever where they like to throw dollars on uh-huh. but which i'm i believe is a greek tradition and so that's fine but it felt like so like so I have a thousand dollars in ones because I'm rich. <laughs> like, yeah. like let, show it for the camera. And she literally goes at one point, give them all ten dollars. You know what? Do twenty dollars. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it's like we get it, Angie. But like, how many people were at this party? It didn't seem like a thousand dollars for twenty pe- twenty bucks a piece was going to be. Yeah. Like, I didn't see that many people. Like there was pe- people there, but I. I, maybe I'm doing the math wrong in my head, but I don't know. Um, Mary then calls Angie. <laughs> She's getting fed up to tell her that she can't make it. She goes, yeah, I have to go to my home in Vegas. We had a flood about a year ago <laughs> and everything just got done. <laughs> uh, also, you, it took you that long, but also just her saying we had a flood a year ago as an explanation it's like like you didn't even have to say the year ago right you could have just no said, she didn't we had a flood and i just need to go handle some things and then angie like joke but angie's handling it well and angie goes well i'm so sad and i'll be honest i was really looking forward to to you being here and mary goes don't take it personal like not, not, not like don't oh don't take it personal she literally was like pointedly like don't you do it <laughs> like, don't you take it don't you don't you put it back don't you, you take it personal you can tell angie's so frustrated just like how do you communicate with this woman like it's impossible yeah, yeah. the the more we go through this season the more i am convinced that angie was earning her snowflake yeah and i'm still not sure how she got it um angie's family uh, arrives and as well as father george um uh their pastor um, and she kind of lays out her story about like her dad coming from Greece and, and as an immigrant and that, you know, his, you know, 
her mother died and he was basically a widow to like seven children at that point. So being an immigrant, you know, already struggling in that regard and, and being the sole breadwinner and the caregiver, you know, is a big deal. And I, I actually like this story and I wish I, w- <laughs> I know I've been like making the joke about Angie saying Greek every five words, but it's like, I, if we had gotten like sort of this stuff, I would have maybe forgiven it more later Yeah, in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, it just became a bit of a parody at a point to where it's like, oh, but now it's like, yeah, at least there's some backing to it. Um, guests then start arriving uh, uh, with their families. Lisa going, look at the baby lamb because <laughs> they have the lamb on the spit. Jesus Christ. Um, did you know that Heather uh, brought Angie nine lemons in a bowl? <laughs> It's like what? This is not Shannon Bedore's house. What are we doing? You know, it's Feng Shui. You <laughs> <laughs> gotta stay centered. <laughs> and then Heather like hugs Sean. Heather goes, "Oh my god! Like, where do you get your clothes like custom made?" And Sean goes, "My gay boyfriend," which is a funny joke. And and I get it's like self deprecating, but you could see the look on Angie's face being like, "Well, well Sean, Sean's also a good dresser, so it's fine." It's like Angie, he's fucking laughing it off. Like, calm down, <laughs> like. I just I can't. Um, Monica's mom, Monica, and her daughters come with her mom, LD. She introduces herself as LD. Monica's mom is um, a lot, a lot. Um, she's also at LD Millionaire on Twitter. Why she has a Twitter, I don't fucking know. Um, like I just I can't. It gets and her on well, not to spoil what happens later, but it's like. Her on Twitter being like, Monica brought me, made me, forced me to go on the show. And like, I, uh, you know, I was supposed to just like cook and like, you know, do like family stuff. I wasn't supposed to do all this, but like Monica ensured me wrong or whatever. It's like, ma'am, you're on fucking Twitter. Shut the fuck up. Like, like, like save this for the fucking group chat. We don't need to be seeing this shit. You're you doing this online for everyone to see proves everything monica is saying about you well she wanted to be iconic as as iconic as like mama d and mama joyce and <sighs> it's just not happening it's not really um angie goes because uh, uh, monica's mom goes up to um uh angie's dad and does like the what angie says is the greek kiss kissing on both cheeks and and L, uh, ld i'm just calling her ld because it's easier we're portuguese we kiss the same way and then she goes are you single monica you're a professional Absolutely not. No. Fuck no. That's not happening. <laughs> Monica was fed the fuck up already. <laughs> uh. um, Angie welcomes everyone. Uh, they all sit down. <laughs> Angie's speech here to introduce this dinner. It's a lot. I've always been inspired by the story of Christ's resurrection. It's a story of hope because Christ was mocked and ridiculed and crucified and then everyone starts like pulling faces she goes and he managed to rise up three days later and i think if christ can rise above it then we too shall rise again and heather's like is does she think she's jesus here like how many housewives are going to compare themselves to jesus this is three at this point yeah and it was also like (laughs) that's why it also frustrated me with like I, I don't mean to be like Angie's fake all the time, but it's like, it felt like a beginner's guide to Christianity. Like yeah. like her retelling this. It's like, okay. Like, I don't know. It just seemed odd. <laughs> Can I also make a, it, this is the minor gripe. They go up to get food, right? To, to eat. 
And God forbid I know more. I mean, I'm entrenched in Greek culture by force because of Angie. <laughs> but these women, as they're going up to uh, <laughs> to get this food, Whitney going, it's like shepherd's pie, but like pasta. And I'm like, that's pasticcio. It's a common, like I watch enough food network where I'm like, yeah. like it was, it was very much where I was like pissed at the New York girls for not understanding what shashuka was. Yeah. And then Lisa going uh, with the stuffed grape leaves. And Lisa goes, I love these. What are they called? And Heather goes, dolomites. What? <laughs> no, um, dolomite. I, I was literally cackling. You're thinking dolmas? <laughs> Not dolomites. Uh, they all ask uh, where Meredith is, and she's, and they're like, "Yeah, Meredith wasn't revived." And we get a quick like glimpse of her at the Glad Awards, like a like little compilation. And also, this is one. I was saying it to you. It didn't it look like Brooks got like a chin job. Like it was, he looked like Jay Leno. Like it was yeah, like it was a lot. But I will say that like late teens, early twenties is where a lot of that like like definition in your face starts coming through sure. so i mean it could be natural but i doubt it but just of all things to get so i i, I it's probably natural so because i'm like you wouldn't just get a chin job like i don't <laughs> um lisa's whispering to it, Aunt- he looked like a character off of like fairly odd parents or something <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it was it was a lot uh, Lisa's whispering to Angie about their conversation about Monica that they had. And Angie goes, you know, it's hard when someone comes in and they're nice, like nothing happened. I'm going to talk to her today. Why would she act like something happened? Like, like, like you guys are conversing elsewhere about her malintention that you've never vocalized to her. Why would she be like, I'm worried. I, I will never try to understand what's going through the mind of Angie or Lisa Barlow or really anyone on this cast except Monica. Monica, I can at least relate to. Heather uh, talks to Lisa by the charcuterie about what Whitney told her on the slopes about Lisa being upset about um, her inviting Angie over to her house. Lisa goes, I was super triggered listening to Angie because no one was there for me. Heather goes, I didn't know there was like this little black like rain cloud hanging over your head. <laughs> oh my god, rain cloud, go away! No, <laughs> none of my Valentino. <laughs> oh my god, Lisa goes, we're fine right now because we're always like surface. <laughs> Heather goes, I feel like we have a much deeper relationship than that. Like you know the whole thing with Jack's mission. I would love if you could talk to me about that in a way that's like constructive, and it's like. I do agree, though, with Lisa that they are kind of surface. I don't think Lisa and Heather at this point have this, like, intensely deep conversational relationship. No, but I think it's a little bit. I think that when you tell someone that you just have a surface friendship with them, it's kind of insulting. Yeah. Like, you're saying, oh, well, I'm keeping you at arm's distance, basically because I don't trust you. Sure. So, I mean... It's kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. Lisa goes, I don't feel comfortable talking about all this with you just because you had such a different experience and I need to be in a space with Jack where I'm supporting what he's doing right now. And at that point, I finally understood it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I understood why she's in a situation where she's like, he didn't feel like he could come to me 
And so I have to do everything now to show him I'm on board. Right. Because if I question it. Right. Or if I sort of raise any concerns and stuff like that. Then it pushes him away. And it proves why he kept it from me correct. Correct. So, I mean, I understand where she's coming from, but I also understand where Heather's coming from, where she's like, okay, but this is like, this is like not like a mistake, like getting a tattoo. Yeah. This is a mistake that can put you on the wrong life path. And I've been on that path and it took me decades to get off of it. I would be wrong to not say something. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, Angie pulls Monica to the side at this point. So these two conversations are now happening. <sighs> it's so bad. This and- conversation pissed me the fuck off. Angie goes, I've been hurt because you had put out the rumors that you thought Meredith was speaking about. And Monica goes, I said that to you. Because I had your back and was there for you 100%. I told you right away, I don't like the shit that was being said. I don't believe that. And already her mom is like sort of like looking off because it's not even comfort. It's not even gotten to like a negatively confrontational point at this point. But also like it's none of your fucking business. Like yeah. butt the fuck out, bitch. Exactly. Angie goes, well, if you don't believe it, then why would you say it? Monica goes... Because Whitney asked. It's like, (laughs) again, like, what the, like, we know how this played out. Angie goes, let me back up. How do you know what Meredith's talking about? Monica goes, I didn't hear it from Meredith. I heard it from the Salt Lake City streets, which confirms what I thought, which is that she's just assuming that this is the Meredith rumor. Right. Um, But, and then Angie gets mad about her saying she heard it from the Salt Lake City streets. She goes, uh, Monica goes, I'm telling you, that's the rumor out there, Angie. And Angie goes, but you're repeating it. And Monica goes, to you. Like, Angie wanted to break the fourth wall and couldn't. She wanted to be like, you brought it up on camera. And I don't want this brought up on camera. Right. But she should have just said that. Like, at the, it's 2023. Stop it. Yeah. Like, I, there's no fourth wall. Like, when we can talk on camera about stories that are showing up on, uh, in, you know, like, uh, what are they called? The, the magazines and the blogs and all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Tabloids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the tabloids and, like, on blogs and on Twitter and all of those things. If we can talk about that, we can talk about the fact that there's a camera over your shoulder. Like, Come on, stop it. Monica confirms in her confessional that she has heard the rumor year, had heard the rumor years ago and it has been circulating for years. So yeah. it's not a new thing and I and I believe that personally. Yeah. Angie goes, "You're saying something that you don't have any facts to back." Are you missing the part where she literally says she didn't believe the rumor? She's she, not saying the rumor is true. She is just saying the rumor exists, and she is not spreading the rumor. Yeah. She is not telling other people that the rumor exists. She's bringing it to you because Whitney brought it up. It's Whitney's fault. Like, I don't, uh, Lisa, we go back to Lisa and Heather. Lisa goes, why do you care about Jack's mission? And Heather goes, because if you're sending your kid out into the wilderness for two years, you should know the good and the bad of it. Lisa starts to then explain that her relationship with the church is different than Heather's. And then Heather goes, you can't tell me you have a different level of Mormonism. Our Mormonism is the same. And Lisa goes, no, it's not the same. (laughs) And it's like, 
I don't think, I think, again, Heather hits on it later, which is like, okay, but Lisa, your level of Mormonism is not fully in. Like, you're not, right. you're not two feet into the pool at this point. Yeah, she's Mormonism light. Yeah. Like, it, unless you're, like, you don't understand, when you go on mission, you have to, you have to literally go to temple like you can't go to mission when you're still sitting out in one of these satellite churches with all the other has-beens. Yeah. Like you you don't understand what your son is walking into. Heather in her confessional goes, "I don't know what gaslighting is, but I feel like this is it. Telling me that the the religion that I've been a part of since birth that it's actually different and the way that I've been doing it was wrong." Like no, you know what gaslighting is. That's it. Sure. The, the difference is, is I don't think that Lisa's doing it intentionally. No. She's, yeah. Lisa goes, I don't think it's like, check the box to go to church. Like, I would wear this to church. And Heather goes, oh, please. Like, you're literally wearing a strapless dress. Like, that's not happening. I, I loved Heather's confessional here. She goes, to be fair, I'd gladly join her church. It seems great. All the perks and none of the payment. Maybe if that's what Jack says on his mission, he'll have a lot of success. We're serving Vita tequila and strapless dresses. Come on in. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, come on. Like, Lisa goes, I think there's days when you're like, I want that back. It's in your core. And Heather goes, I mean, yeah, like, that's why the book's not ex-Mormon. Like, uh, yeah. Lisa goes, you wrote a book on being a bad Mormon. I focused on my kid being a good Mormon. But then they kind of resolve it. And she's like, we're friends. I want to be better with you. But like this conversation's off the table. Like I, it, it was productive enough. I will say like it, in my view, it wasn't productive at all because Lisa shut it down because she didn't want to hear it. Sure. But at the very least, Lisa vocalized her boundary as to why she was shutting it down. But. Yes, but I will say that Heather is right and Lisa needs to shut up and listen. Oh, sure. For sure. Like, I'm team Heather in the whole mission yeah. thing. Um, we go back to Angie and Monica. Angie goes, I wish you would have just pulled me aside. Monica goes, I literally did. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, are we in La La Land? Angie goes, I've heard things about you, but I would never repeat them. And then Monica goes off. She goes, come with it. What do you got? Foreclosure. Check. Divorce. Check. Affair. Check. What else do you got? I'll stand in it all day, every day, Angie. And I was like, bitch. Like, that was yes. so good. Because she, she knew this shit was going to happen. Yeah. She knew somebody was going to try to weaponize that shit. That's why she put it on the table day one. It's so, like, she, I, I was fully team Monica on this. I, I don't, I, we'll get to it with also her mom. Like, I don't see the realm in which, from a, from a pure argument perspective, that anyone can say that Monica was wrong here. Yeah. Monica goes, the difference between you and me is I don't fucking hide it. And Angie goes, hide a rumor. And Monica goes, everyone's talking shit behind your back. I'm the only one saying it to your face. And you hate me for that when you should be hating all the other people. Yeah. Which I, again, I want Monica also to be more specific of who has been talking about this rumor. Other Name than, names. Um, then her mom, LD, then comes into the fight and sits down. LD goes, you're both beautiful powerful women and angie goes that's what we're trying <laughs> you know we're trying to fix this you could i feel i don't know if you said or if i saw it elsewhere like 
you, I think Angie was annoyed by LD at the beginning coming into this conversation. Well, yeah, because Angie wanted the moment. Yeah, and I think she assumed that, like, she was going to be Team Monica. But once she realized she wasn't, I think she kind of was then like, oh, I feel so bad for her. Oh, you know, I feel yeah. bad for her mom. I, I, yeah. I think she switched it up in that regard. <laughs> LD is trying way too hard. She goes, Portuguese and Greek were both very passionate people. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> but today is not the day for that. Um, Angie goes, we're not fighting. We're just trying to have a conversation that I would love to wrap up with Monica. And then Monica goes, I bet you would love to wrap it up and bring it up the next time I see you because you keep coming for me, Angie. And then LD then starts speaking Portuguese and goes, honey, your daughters are here. Which Monica, so Monica and Angie then went back and forth on Twitter after this episode aired and it was like insane. Um, There was also a thing about apparently Monica fell down Angie's stairs because there was no railing. Right. And Lurie went to the hospital. But Monica maintains throughout this. She's like, look at the full length stills of the whole thing. My children were nowhere in the room. They were in the basement. They they were in the basement when all this shit was happening. They were in like a playroom in the basement. They weren't just like in a basement. (laughs) They also (laughs) fell down Angie's stairs. But like, yeah, I believe her on that because they do cut to shots of the children, but it's yeah. like, it's clearly like editing. Right. I don't believe that Angie and Lisa all maintain that. And also Angie's saying that Monica threw her shoe at one point and almost hit Angie's niece. And I'm like, this seems like one, I feel like they would show that. Like, Right. I feel like what happened is when Monica fell down the stairs, her her shoe flew off yeah <laughs> and went in the vague direction of her niece yeah um angie or monica goes i didn't start this shit you want to blame me mom i'm about to pop off and <laughs> is, is fully done with her mom and she just gets up and like her mom keeps being like go to the bathroom with me come to the bathroom and she's like stop it done yeah I felt for Monica in this moment. I My mom is not... I'm not saying my mom is anything like this, by the way. Like, she is... My mom is a saint. I love her. Um, like, I've been in those moments where it's like you just... Like, you're not... The, you think... You you may think you're diffusing the situation. Right. But you're not. Like, you, you're... And it's also not that... You're making it worse. Like, you're... In, right. I just need you to either be completely neutral or have my fucking back. Or, like, go away. Yeah, like that's what don't I mean. insert yourself. Like you shouldn't be in this conversation. Yeah, Angie goes. I'm going to move on because it's not the day to have this conversation. Monica uh, tells her mom, "Don't fucking pull this shit with me when you don't have my back." LD, LD goes, "You're in somebody's home." Uh, Monica goes, "I'm not doing this shit with you because it's going to get ugly." And like I get it from afar. Angie tells Sean, "Like I would never talk to my dad like that." It's like, fine, but you don't know her relationship with her mother. Right. I, I, I will absolutely never insist on somebody re- being respectful to someone else um, simply because of their title. Yeah. Like, I don't care who the fuck you are. If you don't treat me with respect, you're not getting it back. Yeah. We're adults. Act like it. I, once I hit 18... I don't owe you any sort of allegiance right. just because you like gave birth to me or raised me or what the fuck ever. Guess what? You decided to have a child. You owed me yeah. raising me. And you owed me putting food in my belly and a clothes on my back and a roof over my head. That is the bare fucking minimum. And if you feel like I owe you some like fealty just because you performed your job as a parent, 
fuck you. And she didn't even do that. Apparently. And she didn't even do that. Apparently. And so like, fuck off. And it's all about ego because it's yeah. like, you're making me look bad. And I want to impress myself in front of all these people, which we see right. later. Like she, she cares about herself looking good in this crowd. Correct. Not about Monica looking good. That's the difference. Right. Um, Angie goes, Monica, I wish we could just talk calmly. And Monica goes, Angie, we're not going to talk calmly. If you keep blaming me for shit when I was being a good friend to you and bringing this information to you. And then LD just stands over her and goes, come to the bathroom. Monica goes, get out of my face. Her mom goes, stop it. And Monica goes, tell her to stop it. Are you serious? Like, and then storms off to like the couches. LD then apologizes to Angie and Sean and like the whole table, which is so like fucking. I fucking hate that shit. Don't apologize for me. If yeah. I feel like I need to apologize, I'll fucking apologize. Yeah. Uh, LD goes, can we have some fun? I'm ready for fun. And Angie goes, you are fun. And then LD has the biggest smile on her face when Angie says that. It was like, she was like, oh, I can get into this group now. And then she starts sitting with the husband to talk about sports. And it's so like, uh, it's gross. It's gross. They all then do the Greek money dance, uh, everyone, and they're throwing money. And then LD then goes to sit with Monica on the couches. LD goes, I want to go dance. And Monica goes, go dance. <laughs> like, <laughs> LD goes, I'm not going to leave you here by yourself. You're my daughter. You're my concern. And Monica goes, I genuinely don't believe that. Like, what have you shown that I am your What concern? have you done for me lately? Yeah. And and Monica just lays fucking into her. She goes, I'm very grateful for moments like this because it reminds me of exactly what I don't ever and will never do to my kid. I'm not going to let her feel alone. And then her mom then starts like chuckling and smiling. She goes, is that funny to you? And she goes, it is funny to me. So nasty. It's so nasty. It's it's disgusting. Ugh. Monica goes, you really are a heartless person and you can stay with your friends and party and fucking Opa and dance. You can find your own ride home. Dead ass. Good. And then Good she, for her. And then she grabs her kids to leave. And it's like, uh, and also the kids are like taking water shots. They had like, and I they, was uncomfortable with that. I was uncomfortable with that, but I was also even more uncomfortable that they were having them like take them off the ground because to me throwing back a shot right yeah that's one thing but like usually when you're taking it without hands you're doing it off of a body yeah so to me like that's what you do in the club (laughs) having a child do what equates to a body shot off of the ground it felt weird. It felt like verging on sexual, yeah. even without there actually being a sexual element. You there. can't tell me this is Greek. Yeah, like it's just I can't. This it the whole thing felt weird. I did not like it. Yeah. I did not like it at all. Monica grabs her girls to leave in her confessional. She goes, "I feel like I'm always left feeling like little Monica, and I feel so bad for her. It sucks that all I want is a different relationship with my mom, and I know that that's never going to happen." She, and then she, like, pauses and gets choked up, and she goes, I hate feeling like I wish I had a different mom, but I wish I had a different mom. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, that sucks. But, I, I mean, I uh, I don't think, I, I think, I, I'm on the camp of never say never when, like, I, you know, those comments those are those comments. Clearly, this has been a long struggle with her, and, right. like, it's not, like, a new thing in terms of their relationship. Um, I hope that I, I, 
as much as I thought her mom was terrible this scene, I hope they can fix it. I hope her mom can learn. I doubt it. I doubt she will. Especially not during this season. Yeah. No, no, no. But like, but that's my hope is, you know, in a, in a dream world, she realizes that this is not okay. (laughs) Like it's, it's just not okay. Well, I hope at least in the meantime, Monica feels validated and seen by the public. Yeah. Cause I don't think there's a single person watching this show who is not on Monica's side. Sure. You know, it's just, I, and I have seen a lot of that online and I hope, I hope Monica feels that. Yeah. Cause I think again, it's like so much of the idea of like her speaking to her mom in this way or whatever. It's like the, the negative aspect of it is like steeped in so much like tradition that yeah. is why, you know, and some tradition is good, but some tradition is toxic. And yeah. I think if you're not being treated properly, I think you have a right whether that's your mom or anyone else to vocalize that. And I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think you have to live subserviently to someone who isn't showing you a certain level of decency. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And this is a thing and a concept that's gone around for a while, Mm -hmm. but um, there's two different meanings to the word respect. Yeah. There is one meaning of, Respect meaning treating you with humanity. There is another one that is treating you like you are above me, Mm -hmm. right? And people who are used to getting treated like they are above someone, when that is no longer happening, they or they refuse to treat the other person like a human. And they think that that's equal because it's the same word. But it's not. You like, I'm not going to worship at your feet. It's not going to happen. Like, when I left Christianity, I decided I will never bow down to anyone else, human or otherwise. Period. Yeah. End of story. And because I was made to feel subservient. And that's not just by the Christian church, not necessarily by God or whatever you want to believe in. That wasn't really something that I felt from the universe, but it was something imposed on me by humanity. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like we should be bowing down to people and her mom is demanding in exchange for being treated with humanity is demanding that Monica bow down to her. Right. And that's not fucking okay. Yeah. Humanity is a given to all people, period, end of story. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we are talking the finale and part one of the reunion for Real Housewives of New York City. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? 
then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas, on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy. At first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can pre-order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on up to the Big Apple where it's Bryn's birthday and we're going to her party. Oh, this just in. Bryn does not deserve a party. She just gets to go to the McDonald's drive-thru and no fries for her <laughs> on Real Housewives of New York City. Yes, yeah, so we're talking the finale episode and the first part of the reunion. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about this season overall now that it's kind of concluding and coming to an end. Um, some I agree with, some I don't. I th- I think that. It's. I, I said it when we started this. It was never going to be the old New York. That's, no, it's a different show. Yeah, at this point, and I think honestly, a, I kind of feel like they. I wish they had said Real Housewives of Manhattan, or some some kind of like spin on that or something. Right, where in, instead it wasn't Roni because yeah. I feel like Roni should be done because it's a different show. It, you know, right, and I think like. There's still some adjustments that probably need to be made going into season two, but I think it's not, it's, there's still good things here that I really, really right. love. And I, I'm hopeful for what's to come with it because I think if people just stick with it, it'll get better. And it's a freshman season. They're rookies. They're filling themselves out in the early goings. They didn't know how stuff was going to get perceived in certain ways. They didn't know what to do more or less of. Yeah. So, you and know. and the ratings are solid. They're, they're fine. They're not like through the roof, but they're not in the basement either. They're the, the fan base is there. People are tuning in. So I feel like they just need to let it cook. Yeah. The, it's a good apple pie. Leave it in the oven a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> they start the episode with Aaron and Uba going uh bumper cars on ice. The, they have like a bumper cars on ice thing in like in New York or whatever, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like they're making up for, you know, everything in Anguilla and getting back on the same track of their friendship. Um, that will change at the reunion. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, Aaron says that she, you know, you know, I felt really bad for Pavit at the Swingers uh, event. And Uba's like, I think you went a little hard on him. <laughs> oh, a little? Just yeah. Just a little bit. But at least Uba's calling it out. Uba's the yeah. only, like, like, at least has Jessel's back, and I'm glad for that. Yeah. Aaron brings up the comment that uh, Pavit made about the what do you love about your wife thing from, you know, the thing. And Aaron goes, it's the, it's your opportunity to say something nice about your wife in front of all of these people. Uba goes, personally, in my own weird way, I think it was the most loving thing to say to someone. I love this person because they let me be me. And I'm like, yes, Uba, you get it. You like, get it, yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it's only weird when you're so superficial like Aaron inside. Like, yeah. you know, uh Uba says also that uh, she was a little annoyed with Sai's husband, David, for, like, pinning her down on why she was not married, you know. And she realized that, you know, maybe one day, you know, I'll get – but it's like I'm fine loving myself at this point. I don't need a man. Like, it's 
it's kind of a backwards idea to, you know, be like, well, you need a man to like. Right. And I actually, here's the thing. I actually still like David as much as I don't like Cy. Yeah. Like, I think, I, I do think his, the questions he asked is interesting. The, the amount of questions he asked in conversations with these women is interesting only because it's weird for a husband on this show. Yeah. Like he's very invested in all of their lives, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't hate it. I think he's still a nice guy. I don't think he's necessarily negatively intentioned. Yeah. Well, and and the way that he, like, later on when he apologizes to Uba about it, like, he explains what his thought process was. Is like, well, it w- I was meaning it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you should have so many people, like, vying to be with you. And right. I, I just... I don't understand why you wouldn't be with someone like as amazing of a person as you are. Like you're a catch is what he was saying. Not you need a man to bring you validity, which is what that has meant in the past. So I understand why Uba was upset. Uba says that at one point, like it's a, to when he's apologizing and she accepts it, she's like, it's just a bad question. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's another way to say that. Right. Um, Uba, t- and he's telling her also in the confessional about how Sai's the only one that knows about this man that she's been, you know, casually dating, which we now see pictures of online that have been, they, she kind of like soft launched him. So like they were, they weren't like leaked, but they were like, you know, out mm-hmm. there. He's very attractive. And he's even taller than her. Yeah. Which she's already like skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Um, Uba in her confessional says, the only person who knows about my person is Sai. Aaron is New York Times. If I told Aaron, everyone and their mother and children will know. And it's like, yeah, because you remember what happened with Jenna and Angela, where she just uh-huh. fully like threw her under the bus with that. Um, we see a quick scene where Sai is meeting with Bryn in Central Park um, uh, to meet with the conservancy of the of Central Park for her grandmother's uh, plaque and sort of um, memorial. Um, Bryn going, every time I go to Central Park now, I just think like, where did Uba have sex? Did she have sex here? Did she have sex here? <laughs> I just can't. I can't imagine Uba having sex in a, in a bush somewhere. Like I just. But it's also like, I don't understand the concept of outdoor sex. I get it's some people's thing, but like, it's like. Like I, I, there's a rush for being like in public and, but like for me outdoors, like there's bugs. Yeah. There's dirt. There's grass. There's like, I don't like uh, uh, bugs. Uh, I'll take a bed. (laughs) You know what's great to have sex? A bed. Uh, uh, A couch. Couch is fine. Um, Floor. Floor works. Mm -hmm. But like in a room. With a door. That's fine. Yeah. That Temperature controlled. It's great. Uh-huh. Yep. Maybe um, but, a pillow. <laughs> but they find a, a tree that's available. That it's, it's a weeping willow, which is like one of her favorites. And it's like right by a duck pond. And her brother had mentioned like in past episodes yeah. about like her loving ducks and stuff like that. And Bryn cries and it's emotional. And it was sweet. It was a nice little scene. Um, we see, go to Jessel that uh, she's doing a photo shoot for her e-commerce platform. Um, at Jenna's apartment, Jenna's like basically loaned her the apartment and be like, and she's like, I've done it for years. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's all good. And, but the best stuff is like, Jess was like, cause it's like, she was like, I'm doing like African prints and sort of like stuff, but in like modern settings, basically like uh-huh. all the dry, and it's, it was, the model looked gorgeous, <laughs> but I love Jen. She's like, Jenna, what do you think of this? And Jenna's like, 
you don't want this shit in your shot. Like you like like it's too cluttered. Like she's editorial. She's editorializing the backdrop. And but Jess was like, I would I would have hired Jenna, but I'm getting this for free. Thank God. <laughs> At one point, Jessica goes, it's giving Serengeti tribal, but, like, well-read. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was right by the bookcase. Um, oh, and then, oh, God. So, Uba sh- shows up, but has to climb the stairs because Jenna's elevator is broken. I Now that we lived in, we don't live in New York, but, like, living in Pittsburgh, where there's all these, like, hills and, like, sort of, like, everything is, like, multi-story now, as opposed to in Texas, where, like, everything's flat. Uh-huh. It's like, I hate stairs nowadays. <laughs> Uh, I it, can't imagine living on like the fifth, sixth, seventh floor of a walk up. Absolutely not. And Uba had to do it in heels. Absolutely not. Jessel's also lost her voice and she goes, I just lost my voice. I haven't been sucking dick or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uba goes, okay, Bren. Uh, Jessel is, so, I'm so happy that Jessel is like, you know, being the comedic darling of this season. Like, yeah. She had a fucking amazing rookie season. Oh, yeah. Uh, they go talking to Jenna's bathroom and Jess always relaying what Brent had said about that Aaron had said about Pavit about how he wasn't wearing his ring and you know all the stuff about like this the, the swingers. Uba goes, do they think a wedding ring stops a man from cheating? Also, statistically, men get hit on more with a wedding ring. Uh-huh. Which I I thought that was an interesting fact, which I didn't I didn't know before. But it's like, yeah, like the ring is not the thing like, like you can slip it on and off and put it in a pocket. Like I mean the the ring the ring doesn't mean a thing okay. to me. What? Okay, Kim Zolz, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, Jess was like, do not talk about my husband at the end of the day. I'm way past the line at this point. Uba's like, I don't mess with husbands. I don't mess with children. And Uba says they're confessional. Weak people fight like that. And I'm like, damn straight. Yeah. That's it. She said it so perfectly of like, it's just weak behavior by Aaron and Sai. Yeah. Like, uh, we then see Sai going mask shopping with Aaron at this like Halloween shop because they need masquerade masks for Bryn's birthday party and stuff like that. Um, Cy and Aaron get to talking. Cy talks about how she's really... I'm over Jessel after Swingers. I'm so over it. It's like, fuck off. Stop saying that. You're not over it. And then she tells Aaron that she called her a pet parrot. Aaron goes, she called me a pet parrot? Ew. I want a drop kicker. I am so sick of Aaron using that drop kicker thing. It's like, you're not tough. You're not. Uh, and then, but she says that. And then in her confessional, she goes, I mean, I don't care because it's not true. So I'm not offended. You sound offended. I don't. I think they need. I need Aaron inside to learn what words mean. Yeah, like offended, over it, don't care. Those actually mean things, right? They're not just filler words. Um, Aaron then relays to Sai what Uba had said about the at the bumper cars about David in the comment. Sai goes, "I think he was saying it was like you're the full package. I can't believe no one scooped you up yet." Aaron goes, "I just think she was offended though. Just food for thought." And then Sai goes, "Okay, but she's fine." She's very happy. She's in a good place. I mean, she's dating someone. This was so like I I forgot who said it. It was so I think Cy was pissed. Yeah. That that David was being looped into like a story that he was sexist because I think Cy is so in control of her image, being an influencer, and I mean the amount of times she'll say that she's a girl's girl and she you know all this stuff. I think anything that pierces that, that's when she gets annoyed. And so 
and and she hasn't shown and she was very vocal of like I hadn't shown David on like my socials and like all right. that stuff. So I think she was annoyed, and, and I think that's why she dropped this. I don't buy her excuse that it just slipped out, and I realized it as soon as I said it. I oh, no, absolutely not. It did not come off like you. it slipped. There was no, like, oh, shit look on her face. There was no hand over the mouth. There was no, oh, why did I say that? None of that. Yeah. That was planned. And Aaron goes, you know this? And Cy goes, that was a locked vault. I accidentally found out. Aaron goes, she didn't tell you? Cy goes, she was showing me a photo and there were some other photos there. When when you watch it, that's not even what happened. She leaned over after the comment from Dave. Yeah. David? Dave, whatever. After the comment from Cy's husband, she literally leaned over to Cy and showed her why she didn't need a man because she already had one. Yeah, it's like, why are you lying about this stuff? And then also, again, accusing Jessel every other word for being a liar. Right. It, it's like, oh, my God. It's really bad. Aaron goes, how do you know who it is? And Cy goes, she just told me it's someone that she's dating. Um, Aaron, uh, talks about how she feels bad that Uba didn't tell her, you know, since, you know, we are, you know, I'm closer with Uba than I am with Sai. but it's like, again, shouldn't that tell you something, Aaron, that your close personal friend that you're super close with doesn't feel comfortable sharing this with you? Uh Uh-huh. Again, that should tell you that you aren't viewed as trustworthy and you aren't and rightfully so. Telephone, (laughs) tell Aaron. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Um, the girls are all getting ready to go to Bryn's party. Jessel tells Polly, you think I sound, cause she still is, doesn't have her fo- voice fully. Do you think I sound kind of sexy though? And Papa goes, um, do I have to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that we got one last moment of their like sort of, yeah. like, um, you know, fun banter. Um, you know, Jessel's like, I don't really want to deal with like the negativity. Aaron, uh, Papa goes, so what about Aaron? Jessel goes, she does not need to talk about my marriage. She can literally sit in her sad little Tribeca corner and fixate on our lives. (laughs) Good for you. She's obsessed. She's a fucking parrot. She has no brain. She doesn't have the capacity to think for herself. Wow. Jessel is like, I love confident Jessel just reading everyone fucking down. Oh, yeah. And her sad little Tribeca corner. And I love Pavit going, should I walk in with five or ten rings on my fingers? Pavin in his confessional. I'm not sure why Aaron and Sire are causing issues. Are they projecting that they're not happy in their marriages onto us who are very happily married? Perhaps. Pavin's such a messy bitch. And I love it. It's so good. They say at the reunion later that he's basically like the seventh housewife. And I'm like, and, and I love that when they say that, Jessel's reaction was like, yeah, he kind of is. Like, Jessel's cool with that. Yeah. Um, Give him an apple. Andy. <laughs> Make him the first male housewife. <laughs> uh, we go to Bryn's uh, masquerade birthday party. Um, Sai has like a cap that's like a Zorro mask vibe. And Bryn goes, you kind of look like the McDonald's bandit. Sai and her confessional. Yeah, I'll steal your fries if you have them. Food is food. Your girl's hungry. And you were like, they, he's the hamburglar. He steals hamburgers, not fries. Yeah. You should, McDonald's. You're the, if, you're, if your character choice is going to be about food, and eating food all the time, you should know like these things. Yeah, it's really. Uh... I'm going to hold you to that standard. Um, Jenna brings her friend Sarah. <laughs> Bryn uh, in her confessional. 
The invite clearly states, bring the person you either A, you last had sex with, or B, the person you want to have sex with this evening. So Jenna, which one is it? And where do I fit into this equation? And then she holds up three fingers and does like a three finger scissor. Oh, uh, Bryn. I'm going to miss Bryn when this whole season is over. And then Bryn's like, can I have a kiss, Jenna? Just like one kiss. This is, it's my birthday. It's one kiss. And Jenna's like, okay. And does one and Bryn's like, one more. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, this is the part like David apologizes to Uba and they, and they make up. We kind of talked about, uh, that, um, Jessel and Pavit then arrive. Uh, she says like, hi to Bryn and all that stuff, hugs her. And then Aaron and Sire are in like a group and she goes, hi guys. And then kind of walks off. <laughs> Aaron immediately goes, no hug, no warm. Hello. What's wrong with her? Like, shut up. You're such an asshole. Like from the jump, she's just like, well, you aren't giving me enough, like, like she wasn't even cold she's she literally said hi guys she didn't say hi and then walk away yeah like sure she didn't fawn over you and like rush across the room to give you a hug and and then aaron goes up to jessel and aaron goes you didn't say hi to me and jessel goes i did say hi (laughs) i said hi (laughs) jessel then just breaks it down she goes i heard you were saying all this shit about my husband and aaron goes not one thing. Not one thing. No, That's- it wasn't not one thing. It was like 10, 12, <laughs> 27 things. And then Sai comes into the conversation and Jessel turns to her and goes, and just FYI, I hear you don't like me. So, and Sai goes, it's not that I don't like you. I just don't want to be best friends. And immediately just goes, I don't want to be best friends either. Cool. We're good. And then she's like, Aaron, you want to get a shot? <laughs> it was so perfect. Yeah. Like, Bryn gets on Jessel later in the in the night about not standing up for herself enough. But again, I think this is Jessel's way of handling it. And it's like It's like this sigh, this is what happens when you actually don't care. Yeah, exactly. Like, She's paying you no dust. That's what happens when you don't care. Yeah. Uh Uh, Aaron goes, I feel like I've tried to be nicer with you. I've heard horrible things too. And it doesn't make me lash out like you are. And Jessel goes, I'm not lashing out. It's, it's a little microaggression-y for me. Like Aaron, every once in a while, it's like, Jessel's actually speaking to you very calmly. She's not lashing out at you. Yeah. Aaron brings up the notepad. uh, uh, And Aaron goes, and to call me a pet parrot, first of all, it's ridiculous. And then Jessel's smiling goes, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's like i guess <laughs> sounds pretty accurate aaron's like stop pairing me with sigh and jessel goes every time we get into an altercation it's the two of you and aaron's like i was talking to uba but it's like uh, but you were commenting and you were laughing and you thought it was so fucking funny you're always you're not like maybe both arguing and yelling but you're in it you're both always in it with her yeah that's what she means um, Bryn, uh, Bryn then decides, okay, this was, Bryn was like, this is the finale party. Um, we need to get our check. We need for next season, uh, signed. So like, let's stop. Like she goes, let's play a game. <laughs> let's play a game where we basically air out all our grievances. I learned it in my yoga trainer, uh, yoga teacher training. <laughs> I also, yo, you went in got training to be a yoga teacher i need to sign up for that class oh yeah <laughs> because how bonkers would yoga led by Bryn be uh, it's not i it, just i need that in my life aaron in your goes what a fun party trick 
bring us there's something that you know ran personally in my family pavit i was a little bit thrown off when you were sitting with jenna and you called Cy bipolar and i was like bryn what are you <laughs> which he immediately took back what was the point of bryn bringing this up so mean aaron goes that's so fucked up uh pavit's like i didn't mean it you know and Cy does lay out, and I get it, like, in the, in the, how, in the way it's being presented to her at this party, right? Like, it, you know, Cy's like, it's pretty offensive considering that my mother was bipolar. So, like, you know, we shouldn't be diagnosing people. Right. Fair. Um, Which is why he took it back in the moment. Yeah. And Bryn goes, you did take it back. And then he said, on record, hand on heart, I take it back. And he goes, she's just being a fucking bitch. <laughs> Which, again... We don't see him say that in the scene. So is she being, is she like, again, are you being broad in what he was, in the tone in which he was saying? Because he never said the words fucking bitch. Right. Um, so you can't just say that as if those were the exact words he said. But then Pavit doesn't help himself because in his confessional he goes, did I call Sai a bitch? Probably. And if I did, she's a bitch. I was like, oh, Pavit. <laughs> Oh, boy. Bodies right. Sai goes, don't confuse being a bitch with being honest. I'm straightforward with your wife. Sometimes she lies. And Jessica goes, what am I lying about? And Sai goes, you lie all the time. You have so many white lies. And Jessica goes, like what? <laughs> Jessica's like, no, but like literally you haven't said a lie. Name one. Name a fucking lie. Name a woman. <laughs> Name a woman. Sai goes, the Vietnam thing. And Jessica goes, who cares? Sai goes, no one gives a fuck, Jessel. It's like, she... You clearly do. You're the one screaming at Bren's birthday party. <laughs> Jessel goes, don't yell at me. <laughs> and then, this was so odd. So th then Jessel and Poppet walk off. It diffuses. Then Jessel's, like, talking to David about, like, you know, I don't know why your wife hates me, basically. And, like, David's like, I think he just she just wants to know you better. And then Sai comes in the conversation, like, yeah, I just want to know you better. And then they kind of make up. I was confused by this. I wish Jessel would have just like stayed in the fuck side camp. She gets there back at the reunion. Um, I think from watching the season back, she gets yeah. there. But it was just so odd. And then, oh my God. So then Aaron and Sai go off into a room. So Aaron can dress as the, her size pet parrot. Not even well, I might add. They talked about it at the mask shop or whatever, and I was like, okay, it's like a funny thing you're saying here. And then I was like, oh, you actually did it? Like, uh, the only thing she should have done is change her mask out for a colorful parrot-themed mask. Yeah, even, yeah. Jessel, but Jessel loves it, apparently. She's like, this is a great sign that Aaron has a sense of humor. I guess, but it's really cringy for us in the process. I hated this. Yeah. It was bad. Um, Bryn gets her cake, and it's a Nancy Drew book, like, shaped cake. I love that she loves Nancy Drew. I grew up reading Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys, and I just, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and so she's, like, playing with the balloons. as like Because it's, it's those big sparklers, right? The uh -huh. like sparkler thing. And they pop accidentally. And they're like, ooh. And then they, the other girls then start to try to pop the other balloons. And then Brin goes, wait, no, no, no. Helium and CO2. Stop. <laughs> I was in organic chem. <laughs> yeah. So, no. The Helium is 
Highly flammable. Bryn goes, can the husbands help me cut the cake together? And they all start holding the knife to cut it. And she goes, hand job. It's a Bryn hand job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bad. So it's like, oh, it's so peaceful. Like, you know, we've all made up. Jessel and Cy are good. Jessel and Aaron are good. Everyone's happy. And, you know, Bryn's got a party. It's great. It feels like the end of the season, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we see Uba in the corner and she gets a call on her phone. And we just see Bryn like noticing and just staring it's it felt so sinister it really did and then Bryn goes uba i heard you got a man in connecticut and everyone's like (laughs) (laughs) so i goes Bryn, that's fucked up don't do that aaron then lays this out in her confessional she goes after the costume shop sai and i took Bryn out for her birthday we went to her favorite place casa cipriani's (laughs) We were talking and we made a decision. We all looked each other in the eye and said, this is the circle of trust. That's when Sai told us a little bit more about Uba's boyfriend, where he lived, what he does. It's like fucking hell, Sai. Like, it's so bad. Like, like, like you're not a girl. This real girl's girl's behavior, apparently. Uh-huh. Like, uh, <laughs> Uba leans over to Bryn and whispers, if you mention Connecticut, I'm going to circumcise you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bryn's like, Sai started it on camera. She brought it up to Aaron. And she relays it exactly how it happened at the costume shop. So, you know, Sai told her this. Uba's like, you know what? Girls, I love you. Whatever. I'm going home. I'm done. And they're like, What? Um, Uba then goes up to Sai and goes, I heard you said it on camera. And Sai goes, never said where. Okay. Like, okay, they get all the discussion about, like, Bryn said the Connecticut thing, and that shouldn't have gotten out. It's like, what state he's in, who cares? Like, you, it doesn't matter. Sai and her confessional goes, the difference from me telling Aaron on camera, it was an accident. I told her and instantly regretted it. Me telling Bryn I was drinking, but I asked her, please don't say anything. It's like you have three different excuses as to, like, that you're prefacing it with. Oh, but Jessel speaks in circles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bryn goes, you told me she was dating someone in Connecticut. Sai goes, I never told you CT. And Bryn goes, yes, you did. How would I know that then? Do people say CT? No, they do, apparently. They say it, like, five more times here. Like, I just... It's weird because the only state I have ever, like, seen referenced by its actual, like, in spoken language by its abbreviation is Pennsylvania. Yeah, P-A-N-Y, I guess some people do. I mean, maybe, but only in terms of N-Y-C. Yeah. Like, nobody just says, I'm from N-Y. Nobody says that. No, no one says that. <laughs> so it's just like CT. The fuck is C- what are we doing? Yeah. Bryn goes. She said it on camera with her. She said it on camera. So I goes. It was not on fucking camera. It's her story to tell. Don't fucking do that. Fuck you, Bryn. Have a good birthday, fucking asshole. And then storms off. It's like it's her story. You spilled the beans. Why are you mad at Bryn on also, behalf of Uba? Also, they're like it's one thing. Like, fine, if you want to say that it was an accident in the costume shop, I don't believe that. But fine, let's just operate under that assumption. Then you took it to dinner with not just Aaron, who you had already spilled it to, but then also included Bryn. Right. And also included 
details. Yeah. That was still on you. That was a choice you made. I don't know why you are yelling at anyone but yourself. Literally. There was a little moment when they're all getting into their cars. Pavin's like, are you cold out here? And Jessica goes, I mean, you can give me your jacket, you (laughs) (laughs) a-hole. And then Bryn in her confessional, my next birthday, I see myself in my apartment with my little cupcake and a little candle because I have absolutely no friends anymore. (laughs) But I'll probably be governor of Connecticut. Go CT. (laughs) I love Bryn. I think she's, I, I, I really think she's been a good lightness to this season. Uh, And that was the closing of the end of the season. So now let's get into this reunion. Oh, geez. Reunion part one. And we start off immediately fucking hot before they even get onto the fucking stage because it's just like dire music. And then we see the text messages from the group chats, apparently. Yep. Uba text. I'd like to kindly request that you refrain from intervening during my conversation with Karen tomorrow. Spelled K-E-R-I-N. And then Jenna goes, sorry, who is Karen? Which is such a Jenna comment. Like, you know who Jenna... I don't don't think Jenna would have gotten it. Yeah. Aaron goes, I will not be slandered by you. I have nothing... I have done nothing to you. And then Uba goes, Karen, you better pray to your God tomorrow that you come correct. (laughs) Uba is like so tough, man. She ain't fucking with any of these bitches. And uh, uh, Uba and Andy checks on Uba in her dressing room and she goes, you know, I'm very hurt. My teammate didn't stand up for me and Aaron lied and gaslighted me. And you were like, teammate is a choice. Yeah. That's a specific word choice. And I'm wondering what inspired that. Right. It's like, and she's clearly mad at Jenna. For, like, taking Aaron's side in the whole glasses... Or the phone fight and all that stuff. And some of the comments that she made in the confessional and stuff like that. Um, Before... We'll get to when they get on stage. Um, Well, actually, no. We'll get to it when they get into sort of, like, the more Jenna stuff. And and we'll sort of talk about it. Because a lot of people did not like this reunion. And thought it was boring. I don't agree. And I think it's because I look for... It's it look for different things at the reunion it, for different franchises. Like yeah. New York is never gonna be like Salt Lake or fucking Potomac or you know yeah. any of these. It's a little. It's not reserved. It can't be fully reserved. You need to fight. Don't get me right, wrong. Right, but it's not gonna be screaming at each other across the room. That's not what Roni has ever really been. Yeah. Um. We get out onto the stage. Um. So we, we'll we'll talk about it now because we haven't gotten a chance to when we saw the the um the looks from everybody. Andy brings up that Jenna is wearing jeans at the reunion. I thought it was a fucking serve. I liked it actually. I Jenna, it works for Jenna. Like, oh yeah, I, anybody else trying to pull that off, it would not work. I kind of would have wanted to be a darker jean personally. I think it works. I think you need the um the color difference between the jeans and the black jacket. Yeah. Because if it was a darker colored jean, it would be too close. I, I think the medium blue is just right. Yeah. Side said that she, because Annie asked, are you hungry tonight? And Sai goes, I brought groceries to eat. And apparently she brought like milk. And well, milk. yeah, they literally show her walking in with a giant grocery bag full of shit. Sure. At least, I mean, at least she's in on that joke. Um, I don't she, think it's a joke for her. <laughs> She's very serious about it. Uh, Jessel says that Pavit said that her outfit was a glorified garbage bag, which I'm like, of course Pavit said that. Jeez. Oh, man. Bryn gets asked about her look, which I, I is another one that I thought was really divisive online. Bryn goes, sexy pilgrim. 
you know, kind of Salem witch trials meets OnlyFans. I thought her dress was gorgeous when it was worn in the Clue movie. Mm. But <laughs> but she always she always feels like she's in the Clue movie. Yeah, it's really it's always that era, isn't it? Yeah, I I think her style works for her. And yeah. I think I think she pulls it off very well. Yeah. And it's an interesting to see a sexy character on Housewives dressed like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, she exists in a somewhere on a spectrum between Mary Tyler Moore and um uh Jennifer Roberts. Jennifer? Jennifer Roberts? Why did I say Jennifer Roberts? It's uh Julia Roberts? Julia Roberts. Why did I say Jennifer? That don't Who the make fuck sense. Is Jennifer? I don't know. Julia Roberts, somewhere in between those two, because she like oscillates, but yeah. sometimes she's very Mary Tyler Moore. Like it's very like pillbox hat, all of that. Right. And then other times it's, you know, fucking whore in the 80s. <laughs> and it's great. Like expensive whore in the 80s. Expensive whore in the 80s. <laughs> um, Aaron, we get Aaron's package of all her stuff. Um, we find out that Aaron has moved from her original house into a rental uptown. And he goes, this already started off wrong for me. And he goes, up and coming. And Aaron goes, very up and coming. Bryn's like to Jessel and goes, what's more happening? And bring, and Jessel goes, I mean, right now, Tribeca, because I made it happening. And then everyone starts laughing because it was a funny joke. They're like, ooh. Aaron then goes, oh, my God, stop. You're joking. And Jessel's like, it was it was literally the most like tweeted thing. And Aaron goes, I know, but like you didn't like make Tribeca happen. So si, even Sai goes, that was a joke. Je, Aaron's the I hate Aaron. I hate Aaron. <laughs> I, I think she's so detestable. And like you don't get like you you're such a buzzkill. Like yeah. that's such a yeah. buzzkill moment. Like what the fuck are you doing? Like that was such a light, like easy moment to get everyone to break the tension and you just shat on it. Yeah. Speaking of people who kind of like ruin moments, um, Annie then asked about, you know, what's it like working with a uh, Frederick Eklund? Um, and, you know, because we've seen him with like Bethany and all that stuff. Aaron goes, he's exactly what you see on TV. And Uba goes, we love that. Unlike Jenna. What? And it, there's kind of just an awkward silence that they're like, what? Uba. I, I people Uba are like, doesn't understand the assignment. Yeah, I I, don't so, I saw a lot of people being like, at least Uba's trying to make drama happen, but I'm like, it was placed poorly. Oh yeah, it was really placed poorly. And like, she she said in like interviews after the reunion that like, I was angry. I was genuinely angry going into this, and so they needed to like sort of like call me down and reset me. And you can get that sense. Yeah. Andy has to engage though, and Andy goes, "So what's different between TV Jenna and real Jenna?" And Uba goes. TV Jenna is poor me, victim, I'm old, I'm this, and the real Jenna is powerhouse. Andy asks Jenna what she thinks, and she's just like, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Like, what am I supposed to say to that? Like, really? <laughs> we'll talk about it in a minute. You didn't believe the interpretation of what Uba was saying that she meant by that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of do, but we'll get to it when we get there. Yeah. Jenna goes, having vulnerability and being powerful can exist together. And also, like, I'm not in a power situation in this dynamic. Uba goes, you know, when they get, when we get into it, Jenna's nowhere to be found and avoids conflict, which I, I think I brought up before that, like, Jenna 
doesn't get into other people's stuff. And I think that's why people yeah. are like, not the biggest fan of Jenna being a housewife. I've heard a lot of people saying like, she should be a friend of, but like also a big part of that was she had to go work. Yeah. Like she literally went upstairs and was working while sure. y'all were out fighting in Anguilla. Jenna goes, I'm happy to address something that involves me. I'm not so excited about weighing in someone's issue. And Uba goes, but you're excited about making opinions when you're not in the scene. Basically being like, you say shit in confessionals, though. Yeah. You just won't actually talk about it in the moment. Which, I can, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that being frustrating. Andy, though, goes, we'll get to that. And, like, move. Andy's like, we're getting off track. Back to Aaron. <laughs> like, yeah. Andy asks Aaron about, you know, being the matriarch of her family. And Aaron just goes, oh, my God, I, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. And I guess her mom had, like, some health issues over the summer. And she talks about how everything was kind of placed on her and that she kind of had to assume, like, the mother role with her sisters most of her life. And that she's, you know, that's the reason why she's, like, so type A and tightly around. And I'm like, I really, it really is just validating my narrative that she's just Kyle Richards. Yeah. She really is. Like, that just sounds like, that's literally Kyle's bio. Yep. And then, and she. Watch next season. She's going to say, in this city. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Andy asked a question about how much, uh, that she spent on her 10th anniversary versus how much was covered by sponsors. Jeez. Aaron goes, a lot of these brands were really small and they asked if I could put my, their name on the invite. It didn't bother me. Looking back, I wouldn't do it because it seemed to bother everyone else. And then Bryn's like, there's nothing wrong with having a sponsor. We were saying it just looked funny on the invite. Like, yeah. And I, and they hit it later when they get to Jessel's segment, which it's like, I, it's again. It's not like a fight, but I I agree. It's kind of weird having those sponsors on the invite, like yeah. when they lay it out. Uh, Aaron goes. I spent the money on the food. It was the most money I spent. And Andy goes. Was it worth it, Cy? And and Cy goes. Honey, you needed a refund. It was bad. Like like I don't understand how she spent the most money on the food and there was no food. Yeah. Well, she was like, it was like a cocktail vibe. And Andy, Andy's like, what time was it? So it was like midnight and, or like 11 to midnight. And like, she's like, it was like seven to eight. And she's like, Andy's like, that's dinner time. Like Andy, Andy was very much like as a fellow Jew, like this is stupid. Like, like you should have had more food than this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, um, and then Andy just immediately starts this. He goes, Aaron, you recently went on a podcast and said the following about Cy. I thought we got along, but all she does is talk about me in her confessionals. Really bothered me that she made fun of my shashuka, which it's like, of course, that's the thing that, that Aaron's mad about. Aaron goes, honestly, I have no idea what happened to her. Something like switched. And Cy goes, something happened to me? You lie and you don't own your shit. And it's I'm a, the only thing that Cy can say about anybody, and it's never true. I think it's true in Aaron's case. I mean, I guess, but it just like for me, I don't, I don't give a shit when she says that about somebody because she's literally said that about Jenna, and then also said that about Jessel. Yeah. And it's like I'm, I'm tired. Well, I don't care when anymore. If you say somebody is a liar and doesn't say, I don't care. Yeah. Well, and Cy also doesn't own her shit many times, right. especially in this reunion. Right. Aaron goes, here we go. Another liar in the group. It's like, you've been validating that every time she says that someone's a liar, what are yeah. you doing? 
Sides like, I never made the comment about the cheese. Why would you get on a podcast and say I came to your house? And Aaron goes, I never said that. And Side goes, I have the podcast. And she plays it. And Aaron absolutely said it. Like, it's such a bad lie by Aaron. Well, and this is, like, this is frustrating because Aaron, like, is trying to say, well, that's not what I, like, meant by that. But then she's word policing people later on in the same reunion. It's like, you can't parse people's words when it's someone else, but then expect people to just take the spirit of what you said when it's you. Right. She's like, I meant it more proverbially basically. And she relays it as she, Cy called me before and said, are we going to have dinner? And I said, we're having wine and cheese. And that was the extent of it that got switched into this. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, uh, you can, uh, Jessel goes, there's so much focus on this cheese. And then Uba goes, I think you should focus on how you guys didn't want Jenna on this show. And everyone's like, what? Bomb number two from Uba. But it's like, and Andy goes like, well, that's a side bomb. But then they don't engage it. They like, I I get that it was hard on Andy's part to sort of like, that Uba was placing these things terribly. But I really hope it gets brought up in the second half because like, people were right, I think rightfully pissed about like, if there was like this discussion about them not wanting Jenna on the show, I think that's more interesting than certain things that we got this part. And we said it when the Anguilla stuff happened, where it's like, it felt like they just hated Jenna and wanted her off the show. Well, I just, what I don't understand is why they didn't, why they included it in the episode. Right. Like if it's like, if it's not going to be brought up again next, next week, you shouldn't have included it even in the episode. Well, they shouldn't have included it anyway. Wait until they actually talk about it. Yeah. It's like, I, I, uh, I, it just was weird. It was very weird. Um, Andy asked Aaron, what's the difference between being rude and crass? And Aaron is like, you know, I can admit that I can be rude and it's something that I should probably work on. Uba goes, I don't think Aaron's rude. I think she's polite. She's elegant. She's nice. But I think she's a shit stirrer and she gaslights <laughs> And Andy goes, you're not, you're not rude. You're just a gaslighting shit star, apparently. I just, what? I, I mean, I, I also don't necessarily think Uba's wrong. And I think Uba is very right to be mad at Aaron, but. But I think also think that Aaron is rude. Right. But also you have to think it in the sense that Uba, this is the first time Uba is seeing that confessional from Aaron, where she makes the I'm scared comment. Yeah. So I think that's playing in her mind a lot. But I would think that that would make it worse, not better. Like, why does that excuse her for being rude? That's sure. more rude. I think she will. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, they go to Jenna's package. Um, Andy asked about her mom's dying very shortly before they went down to filming. And then Jenna starts to tear up. This is really a very long emotional segment. And this, a lot of people were like, they spent too much time on this. I saw that comment online about like, it's not like a therapy session. This is where I think I'm sorry. Reunions are exactly a therapy session. Sure. I think this is where I differ with the fan base where it's like, I like these moments. Yes. And I, and I think a lot of people don't need these feel like they don't need these moments on housewives. They just need fighting. And I'm like, but I think you need a grounding in the characters. It's their, I would give them, it's their first season. 
We need right. to get them to know them on a depth personal level before we get into major, yeah. major mudslinging. And two, I also think this was a unique case in which you had four women who had all lost family members and had family trauma that was impacting this. Uba, Bryn, Sai, and Jenna. Yeah. Like, all of them. So that's why it... Because some people were like, it's like everyone's crying. And it feels like too much in that regard. It's one thing if one person's doing it. Right. But it's like, I think it's just because of the circumstances. And, but I don't know. I just read all those comments from people and I'm like... I feel like we're just cold-hearted, like, people. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> like, it goes back to people who watch these shows. To me, I'm looking at people, like, entire people. Yeah. And I want to know them in their entirety. I feel like some people watch them like animals in a cage. Right. And they, like, want to poke at them to get them to do shit. And it's like, stop it. That's not, like, if that's what you're looking for, number one, that's really fucked up if that's sure. the only reason you're watching these shows. And number two, like, just go poke your pet until they bite your finger off. Like, honestly, you're going to get the same amount of, like, I'd much rather see humans going through the entirety of the human experience. That's what television is for. Like, whether it's reality television or scripted or whatever. Like, the whole point is to see humanity. Yeah. Is to experience parts of hum humanity, both that you also experience so that you can relate to on a personal level, but also things that you don't get to experience so that you can learn to relate to those things. Right. It's it's about experiencing humanity. It's ups and downs. Yeah. Like, it's ups and downs and sideways and flip-flopped and all of that stuff. It's the good, the bad, the ugly. And, like, stop being mad because it's not messy enough in the moment like not everything is here for your entertainment yeah um jenna talks about how warm jessel's mom was when she came up when jenna visited her and how it kind of made her mourn her mom a little more and then also like she was also talking about how freeing it was at the sound bath that uba organized when the the woman was talking about like talking to your inner child and stuff like that. And that, mm -hmm. that helped in certain regards. But for the most part, she, she's like, for the most part, I was on autopilot this season in many regards. And it's like, I can see that. And so I would hope, I would love to also give Jenna another chance as full time if she wants it yeah. to like maybe give more. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I would then be more interested to see. Um, I also thought it was interesting. Andy asked like, you know, all your success that you built up with J crew and stuff like that, did that ever seep into your mom? And Jenna says like, it absolutely did. Like, you know, and you know, my mom had a lot of tenderness. She knew she couldn't find it though and express it and that she was in pain because of that. And I'm like, I'm glad that Jenna can recognize that. Yeah. That, like it wasn't her mom intentionally not. She wasn't wanting... cold. She just didn't know how to share her warmth. Right. And I think that's, that hopefully leads to a healthier perspective on Jenna's end in terms, not that her perspective is unhealthy, but like it gives her some healing in that regard. Right. Um, and then Uba talks about how like she loves watching, you know, Jenna with her son. Um, Bryn starts bawling and it's just like, you know, I always wonder like if you didn't get it when you give it, is it weird to give it to him? And Jenna's like, it's like a healing process that I can't explain when I can hear him telling his friends, like my mom's really cool. Like it's healing in that regard. Because it's like, I'm giving him something I wasn't getting. Yeah. Et cetera. And Bryn talks about, like, I'm scared that when I have kids that I'm going to love them so much and I'm worried I'll just keep thinking, why didn't I get that? 
Yeah. And so I love that. I love that. I loved how it linked like Jenna's story linked off Brins and linked off Uba's. I actually thought that worked really well. Not worked, but you know what I mean? Like it came that I'm sure it came naturally, but like it flowed right. in, a, in a way that I thought was well, bonding. And this to me, like as someone who like has a weird relationship with my mom and am kind of like, uh, kind of antsy about the possibility of being a parent. Yeah. Like this really helped me to like heal some of that for myself even because it's like, Oh, well just because your parent was that way doesn't mean you, and I knew that intellectually, but like seeing someone that I relate to so much like Jenna, right seeing her able to turn that around and be a mother to her son in a way that is intentionally different than the way that she was parented, even though her mother had the best of intentions, right? Like it's just that to me gave me hope that I can be a better parent than I give myself credit for. Yeah. I I agree. And yeah, I, I, I was really moved by this personally. Yeah. Um, and then goes to Sai, uh, and Andy asks Sai about losing her mother. Uh, Sai kind of says like, you know, I don't hash out my feelings. I kind of run away from them, but he it noticed. has, yeah, but it hasn't affected me being a parent, which you kind of disagree with and have laid out when we uh-huh. get, go back to the episode where we talked about the scene with her daughter. I think you kind of laid that out really, yep. really interestingly. Uh, she goes, but I don't think I've really dealt with the trauma of my mother. And then Sai agrees that her toughness is kind of like a coping mechanism. And it, I could, I don't, I couldn't tell if Sai actually was understanding this or if she was just kind of saying the right things. Yeah. You know what I mean? She was, I, it came, it came off to me a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong that she was kind of like, I know the, the words and the phrases to like sort of say here. Right. In order, cause it's being open in an effort to avoid being vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, she goes, I'm broken on the inside, but at the same time, I don't want to tell anyone that. I want everyone to look at me and feel happiness and positivity. <laughs> you have a <laughs> fucked up way of showing it. He, they cut to Aaron's face literally going, really? Like, what? <laughs> Even Aaron's like, girl, you don't express that. And Sai's like, I mask it with humor. What is humor is about you? And- it's funny how much you like treat people like shit. And he goes, do you think that lands? Do you think you're successful at that? <laughs> it was <And>, so shady. <laughs> and and, and Sai so goes, I am. And and he goes, I'm wondering with the other women in the group if that lands with them. <laughs> like <laughs> such a nice way to say you're delusional. <laughs> yeah. And Andy asks Jessalyn, she goes, look, I just think, you know, breaking through with Sai was, was really tough. <laughs> That's basically how she, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's obvious. Um, Andy commends Jenna for all that she's gone through. And Sai goes, you know, the thing, Jenna, like, I really think you don't celebrate your W's. And then Uba goes, that's what I meant. This is where you were talking about before. So here's the thing. I don't see Uba as the kind of person who would actively, like, try to cover her tracks like this. Okay. Um, because she's so straightforward. 
Sure. Um, and we have also already seen where sometimes she says something in a way that doesn't come across the way that she's meaning it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I am willing to extend grace in this. Because what she said at the beginning was, you can actually read it back. The, you're, you poor, the you're poor me victim. On, on television, you're poor me victim. And on uh, outside of that, you're a powerhouse. And, right. So that's basically the same thing. Is I don't, she's saying you don't celebrate anything. You're always talking about the negatives. Always talking about, you know, things with your mom was bad. And, like, you've got this skin disorder and like yeah. the all the negative things and you're you're forgetting how fucking amazing you are and i think that's that uba was just frustrated with her in that yeah it's like you don't see what we see you don't see how much we look up to you as a businesswoman as a badass yeah and that's a healthier message. Like, like I, I also more conflated it. I think with when Uba was basically like, you say one thing off camera and one thing off. I think like, and I don't think she was covering her tracks necessarily. I think well because she didn't. Did she say that she says one thing on camera and one thing off too, or was she a different person she, on camera than she was off camera? She said she was heavily implying. Well, no, she was saying that you don't confront pe- – you act as though you're unconfrontational and have no opinions. But then on on the camera in the confessional, you have opinions. Well, yeah, because she's non-confrontational. She's not going to say it to your face. Sure. Because and, that's- and that's also – we've talked about it before. Like that's natural humanity. That's not like – like on Housewives, it's the only place where you would be so blunt with somebody. Like, to, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andy asked Jenna about the new lady in her life and Jenna, which they're maybe engaged. I don't know. Jenna keeps like not explicitly saying it. Um, but she's like, it's someone from the, their same industry and she's always had a crush on her basically. Um, Andy asked Aaron about Jenna's insecurities with her body and Aaron and Sai and all the women basically agree that they kind of were too hard on her and Angela. Sai's like, it was basically like a table filled with daggers and we should have been better in terms of discussing that. Good. At least they cop to that. Like, yeah. I think because it's like, you're not going to win on that argument. Um, the argument of the topic of like Jenna's gifts and whether they were like offered as like sponsors. I'm glad Jenna also clarified that all the gifts that she gave were old collabs. And she's like, no one could even purchase these items anymore yeah. in stores. So there There's was literally nothing you could advertise for. Like, yeah. And Cy, you were like, Cy was basically breaking down. It's like, you know, just in the industry I live, you know, it's just, I've never had someone give me so many gifts like that. So it was weird. And you were like, then tell her that don't just assume that she's doing X, Y, Z for whatever we, for whatever reason. Yeah. Like that's, uh, it's so frustrating. Um, so Je- they talk about Jessel's disgust at Jenna, Jenna's real name being Judith. It's so great. I literally, I want to make friends with someone named Judith so that I can then make Jessel going, Judith, their ringtone. It's so good. I need that in my life. I need that right now. And she's like, one of my favorite authors is Judith Bloom. <laughs> so, um. And oh, this I thought was really mean girl nasty. Andy asked if everyone was impressed by Jessel's guests at uh, her event. And then Aaron like chuckles and just goes, why is that funny? 
Sly goes, I was actually impressed. And Aaron goes, it was a good party. So mean girl. Like, so, like, nasty. It, yeah. Ugh. It was gross. I don't believe Aaron was the one bullied in school. I'm sorry. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, we get Uba's package. Uh, Andy asked about the status of Mr. Connecticut, and they're still going strong. All the girls have met him. Even Andy's meet, met him before. Bryn did say that she has not met him. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But, and, and Uba's like, you know, he's very private because of his work. That's, that's right. what he said, um, claims. Uh, she talks a little bit more about how, like her family background, about how her sister, she has sisters, but they're in Vancouver. And she talks about how she isn't really close to her father as much as yeah. she was with her mother. Like how her mother was the matriarch. She doesn't really go into depth as to why. Like, you yeah. know, her father was distant. She then says, I met a healer who said, if you don't have a relationship with your dad, you start dating people. Like I date a lot of guys every time they leave me. And then she goes beside, you know, before I beat them up and everyone's like, what? <laughs> and she goes, but before that, they say how much they love me. Everyone's like kind of like uncomfortable laughing at this. And Uba goes, I slap every guy I've ever dated. And Andy's like in the bedroom. Uba goes in public. And the, everyone's like, sort of like <laughs> the look, if you cut to the wide shot, the look on Bryn's face is like, girl, stop talking. Like, what the fuck? Like, well, and then, but then Bryn immediately tries to like save it yeah. and asks Andy, do you want to be spanked or slapped in the bedroom? <laughs> it's like, let's move on. Let's not talk about that. That was weird. <laughs> um, Andy asks I why she got so mad at Bryn for asking about Mr. Connecticut when she was the one that spilled the beans. Uh, so he goes, look, I trusted Bryn with the secret and Bryn goes, the secret you shared on camera. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Bryn's like, I'm having none of this bullshit. Bryn was great here. So I goes, I didn't share it on camera. It was the Connecticut part. She told me not to say that part. And Uba, Uba gets asked about like, was it the Connecticut part? She's like, I didn't like the Connecticut part. I didn't like any of it really. <laughs> like, yeah. Andy asked if she told Bryn, um, uh, where he lived was a secret. And Sai so goes, she shouldn't have repeated any of it. That's not an answer. You shouldn't have repeated any of it. <laughs> I love Bryn going, it's a state. It's the United States. Like, Connecticut doesn't narrow it down enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> Connecticut's a big enough state. Sai says, you know, it's on me, you know, because I, sh I shared it with Aaron, etc. It's on me. I was upset at, you, at myself for spilling it, and I took it out on you, Bryn, and I apologize. And Bryn goes, oh, thank you. And then Sai's like, I, you know, I, I'm a pit bull or whatever. I, I, you know, I get fucking angry or whatever. And then Bryn starts crying and goes like, it's been like fucking six months. And I apologize to you guys like profusely. Um, and Andy confirms that like apparently her and Sai like did not speak since the, the, the end party. Like, wow. and so, and she, and Bryn goes, I appreciate that, but you also go in press interviews continuing this narrative saying Bryn can't be trusted. Bryn's not a girl's girl, but it's kind of convenient that you're saying it now. And I do remember that. Like, in the interview, Sai had been hinting over and over again that there was this big falling out with Bryn, and she's not friends with her anymore and all that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, Aaron goes, I see both sides. It was implied the conversation would stay. And then Bryn cuts her off and goes, I'm glad you're saying implied because in your interviews, you said we sat there. We all did like sisterhoods of the traveling pans, blood sisters. And that wasn't the fucking case. Yeah. Who, who was it? Um, when all the girls were on watch what happens live and Bryn said something about, you can't trust someone. Aaron. Oh, it was Aaron. Yeah. Okay. 
But it's, I mean, yes. Again, I don't think, I don't find Aaron trustworthy whatsoever. Like no, she's I don't proven either. herself. And he goes, what was the circle of trust? And Jessel goes, it's where they talk about everyone. And every, and Brynn and Uba start cackling. Yeah, basically. Aaron goes, you don't do that? Jessel goes, of course I do it. Like, <laughs> Jessel's like, I'm not denying I talk about you. You're just acting as if you keep saying, I don't care. I don't care. Like, yeah. like own up to it. We all talk shit. Yeah. Uba goes, by the way, Aaron, the reason this thing is even brought up. And Aaron goes, oh, it's my fault. Uba goes, you went to Sai and said, Uba is so mad at David. And Aaron goes, I didn't say she's so mad. Play the tapes back. Aaron keeps doing this thing where it's so nitpicky of like language. I didn't say you, she, you were so mad. That's not the point. Like you're, what, you're parsing words. Uba is saying you had a conversation with Sai saying that Uba was upset. And uh, like, that's all Uba is saying. Like, why are you parsing things when it's not actually proving anything? Well, especially parsing the language when it's being relayed by someone with English as their second language. Sure. Like, that's, a, like, another level of fucked up. Like, stop that shit. Yeah. Andy asked Jessel what she thinks of the circle of trust since they were all talking about her business. And Jessel goes, I'm kind of speechless, honestly. And so I goes, about what? And Jessel goes... About the fact that you guys talked about my marriage in such a fucking disgusting way. Sai goes, it was sexless. Like, who says it like that? Like, you're uh, it's so, so nasty. Aaron goes, I didn't talk about your marriage in a disgusting way. Jessel goes, you insinuated my husband was cheating on me. Aaron says, I did not insinuate that. Jessel goes, oh, you didn't? And then they play the confessional where she's like, when you combine the trip... Him not wearing his ring, the not having sex or whatever, and then he goes to Vietnam. It's strange. Aaron's banking on this idea of I never said I think Pavit is cheating on you, but you implied it. Yeah, everyone watching you and Sai knew what you were saying. Right. We're not stupid. Ugh. Uh, Jessel goes, you watch the show, Aaron? And Aaron goes, I did. Jessel goes, do you watch it with a fucking blindfold over your face? Literally. <laughs> Such a good line. Jessel goes, the fact that you said my husband didn't wear a wedding ring. And Aaron goes, I never said that. <laughs> and Bryn's like, that's what you relayed, Aaron. And, and Aaron goes, but I didn't say it like he's not wearing his ring. The intention was to tell her that Abe doesn't wear his ring. So I wouldn't bring it up on camera. And I actually think that's what happened because when you watch Aaron say this, Bryn's face goes, oh, and kind of gets confused. And and then Bryn goes, I mean, just like out of all the things she said, you're only upset that they said, the, you know, that he wasn't wearing a piece of jewelry. Like she was trying to move on from the, the ring yeah. conversation. I think Bryn fucked that up, actually. Uh, but Sai notices it and goes, why are you instigating Bryn? She can speak for herself. And Bryn goes, I can't hear you from all the way down there. What? It was like, such a good shame. I'm sorry, third seater? What? I'm at least a second seat. <laughs> um. Aaron says, the double standard between me and Sai is unbelievable. You're just looking at me. And then Jessel goes, oh, I'm making my way down. Don't worry. I'll get to Sai. <laughs> <laughs> Annie asks where Bryn and Sai go from here. And Sai goes, we're fine. And But then Bryn goes, 
honestly one of the reasons I haven't been wanting to be friends. I've just like heard things about you saying stuff about what I do for a living, where I get my money, calling me names, calling me a slut and a whore. And Sai goes, I never said any of those things. From who who did you hear that? And Uba goes, I'll give you a thousand dollars. It's from Aaron. <laughs> Uba is just like staying on top of Aaron. Uh, uh, so good. Sai says, look, I would say those things to your face if I said them. I don't know what you do for a living, to be honest. And Bryn goes, you do know what I do for a living. I signed your contract for uh, on a vino baby. And Sai goes, back in 2017? Yeah. Like, like, like her career's uh, magically going to change in five years. Yeah. And Bryn goes, yeah. And I worked six other jobs since then because I actually work a nine to five. It's like, okay, Bryn, great job. Let's not go any further about what those jobs are. Yeah. Don't bring up the BP oil spill again. Yeah. So I goes, I don't talk about you, Bryn. And Bryn goes, I don't think about you. It's fine. I have like a thousand friends. I'm good. <laughs> so good. Um, we then go to Jessel's package. I love that it started Andy going, you really put it all out there, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Andy's like, thank you, Jessel, for making the show so popular. <laughs> um, also, thank you, Povit. <laughs> Jessel says that their sex life has gotten much better. Um, Andy goes, what have you learned about your relationship with each other? And Jessel's like, I mean, how we speak to each other, we're very comfortable. And it comes from us being friends first. And I really believe that. Yeah. Like we talked about it. We kind of evolved our position on it a little bit. Cause at the beginning we're like, Oh God, they're headed for divorce. But like, no, it's just their banter. And I think yeah. it's, I think it's cute. Yeah. It's honestly, it's cute and it's extremely healthy. I think, I think they get out like little bitty barbs of aggression at each other so that they can just let things go. Yeah, I agree. Um, Andy asks about the wine at Jessel's event and how Aaron thought it was disgusting. And Aaron goes, it was bad. Jessel goes, I mean, it was free as well. I mean, it's free wine, you guys. It was sponsored. And Aaron goes, oh, so yours was sponsored too, thinking she did something. And then Jessel goes, yeah, but I didn't put it on my invite. <laughs> and then Bryn and Uma start cackling. And then Andy coming in for the assist goes, I mean, hers was also a business event and not an anniversary party. <laughs> and Aaron goes, whatever. <laughs> but Andy's right. Like, a business party, yeah, I can see sponsors on the on the thing. Not at a fucking, yeah. an, you know, like, it's like at a wedding. It's like, what? Like, come on. Like, um, she still hasn't convinced Pavit about a third baby. And I love that she's like, I still need to convince him as opposed to, like, you know, poking a hole in condom. <laughs> You know, at least she's trying. Yeah. Andy asked about the rumors about her moving from New York for the show from Dallas. And she's basically like, you know, I lived in New York for almost a decade. Povet started a company in Dallas and we still have a house there. And we moved back to New York about a year and a half ago. And Andy's like, a year and a half ago is about the time in which we were casting, I believe. I don't know what the point of this was. I don't really care. Because, like Jessel said, she had previously lived in New York for a decade, even if she did move for the job. And also, like, also, why are you calculating the time, Andy? It's your fucking show. Yeah. You, you know when she was cast? Yeah. So, I don't, I don't think it was a big deal, to be perfectly honest. Like, I don't either. And honestly, um, I'm, I'm kind of upset that I never ran into her in Dallas. I know, right? Like, I need to be your friend, Jessel. <laughs> Please be our friend. Um, Andy asked Sai about not believing Povet and Jessel had sex when Jessel told her. 
Sai goes, you know what? It's none of my business. I'm sorry. I shouldn't comment on anyone's marriage but my own. From the outside looking in, it just doesn't feel like you have a connection. But that's your relationship, and I shouldn't comment on it. <laughs> I shouldn't comment on it. Continues to comment on it in a disparaging way, but I shouldn't comment on Jessel it. Jessel and Bryn literally in unison go, well, you just did. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's like, Sai, do you hear yourself? Jesus. Um. Jessel then goes off. She goes, no one deserves to comment on my marriage and especially not in a negative way. I was talking about postpartum. You understand when you have babies, when you have four years of IVF, it's okay to have these struggles. It's normal. Side then inter- tries to interrupt and she goes, let me talk. You tried to imply that my husband was cheating on me. And Aaron goes, no, I did not. And Jess goes, yes, you both did. Side goes, I never said that. It's like, yes, you oh you implied it she literally says implied like you tried to imply you not yes when you didn't say i believe poppet is cheating on jessel right that's not the fucking point uh and then they just fight and that's the cliffhanger in, uh, of the episode um we still got part two to come that should be interesting to see uh, i again i like this reunion i think more than other people did yeah i i thought it was really good i thought that um I, I just, yeah, I just, it, it fits this group of women. You can't expect all reunions to be the same. Yeah. And I I will always approach these, not just the reunions, but the shows themselves from a point of these are women, actual human beings living their actual lives. Right. and. I think we just have to take it as that. And if you don't want to watch it, that's fine. Like, you don't have to watch it. But, like, don't act like it's bad. It's not bad. And I can see, like, being annoyed that, like, there maybe is not enough drama. But also, it's like I would point to that New Jersey reunion where there was tons of drama, but it was completely nonsensical. And honestly, way too much drama. Yeah. So there's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the premiere of the new season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And And I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 
100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on out to 90210, where the Eagle Woman has landed as Mauricio seems to be getting ready to fly the coop on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That was, that was poetry. <laughs> I try. I really do try hard on those intros. This new season of Beverly Hills, obviously a lot of, I mean, I was intrigued by this episode a lot. I think it was good. It really feels like things have shifted in a good yeah. way, and I think... I, I, again, it's beating a dead horse at this point, but not Sutton's. Um, <laughs> Sutton's horse is very much alive. Um, I don't miss Rena. No, not at all. Maybe that'll change. Who knows? Maybe, but, but I don't see it so far. And it's just like, I think I think they reset in a good enough place at the, yeah. in terms of this episode. And... I, I'm I'm looking I'm interested in some new stuff yeah. like kind of happening. Um and analyzing certain things and, and the validity of certain things because I don't know if we're being told the full story completely on, on oh, no. the main thing. We're absolutely not. Like we <laughs> we we talked um, you know, a lot about like these being real women and real people living their real lives, that is absolutely not the case when it comes to Kyle Richards. Yeah. Like everything happening in that house is orchestrated. And it's funny because you can tell that they're overacting and then you can tell that Kyle will throw something out. And then Mauricio's like, that's off script. Yeah. Because his face, he'll, like, make a screw face. And, like, mm, we didn't practice that. I think I'm going to try to operate on the assumption that everything is real, but I'm also side-eyeing everything. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I, and I was so annoyed with Kyle on Watch What Happens Live saying, like, I was so offended when people – the thing I'm most offended by is when people are saying, like, this was fake for the show. Like, who would put their family through this? It's like, well, one, you're not divorced yet. Right. And two, I don't – you, I don't think you can give that stance when you're taking photos in public the way that you are with Morgan, when you're doing stuff like the way that you were in her music video and you're hinting at things and this and that. And I was so annoyed also when they brought up, the, by the way, there's now rumors that Mauricia, you know, is now possibly getting together with his Dancing with the Stars partner, Emma. And they were holding hands publicly and TMZ got photos. I was so annoyed with Teddy. I was no annoyed with Teddy throughout that watch what happens. I like, mean, it's Teddy. It's Teddy. Um, like being like, I mean, you know, you're in public, blah, blah, blah. You know that you're going to, people are going to take photos. Like almost blaming Mauricio and trying to say that like he wasn't being, you know, good to his family. It's like there were multiple paparazzi photos with Kyle and Morgan where Kyle is clearly wearing Morgan's jeans where Kyle is like, yep. like it's don't act as though you are protecting your family. Like you both, I think you both, I, I feel like Dorinda in, in Bluestone Manor. I think you both are acting very poorly right now. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So I'm with you that I believe 
that there's some level of reality to this. I don't, I think it's one of those um, dramatizations of yeah. real facts. Does that make sense? I've seen a lot of people. I think that they are truly not together anymore. Yeah. I think that they are truly getting a divorce. I think that Kyle is playing up this thing with Morgan because it adds to the drama. Right. I think that Mauricio may or may not be with this Emma woman that he's dancing with. Who knows? Maybe. Um, But at the end of the day, Mauricio is visibly over Kyle. Yeah. Like on camera, I've they seen, are. He is exhausted with her. I've seen a lot of people say the theory of Mauricio because remember, there's been rumors always that Mauricio had like cheated on Kyle right. multiple times. That that was what caused the the stuff, and they're but they're spinning it as we're going on separate ways. We aren't, you know, we aren't seeing each other or not. We feel disconnected. It's like what we saw this episode. Right. That that's the narrative that they're going to go with. Right. And because it's also not just Kyle's reputation they're trying to protect. Mauricio has a show on Netflix. Right. And like, you know, there's crossover. But that, that's what I mean. Like, it's like one of those true crime dramas where they are telling the story in the confessionals and then it's being acted out by actors. That's what it feels like. Can I say the, the thing that really clued me as to why I had my antennas up of like, you know, this seems odd. The fact I knew what we were going to get some stuff about this in the show because of the trailer. I was surprised how quick we got it. First fucking episode. Three seconds in, it felt like. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what are we doing? And it just felt sudden. Like, I know they took a couple months off between that and the reunion, but it just felt really sudden. Yeah. That like now suddenly you and Mo have issues. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what do we kick off this amazing first season with? The first scene to sort of like set the tone. Uh, we go to Dorit's house where PK is eating two different bags of chips, which I agree with Dorit because Dorit comes in and it's just like, you're out of control, PK. It's like, well, she's upset at him for having two different ones open, but they're different flavors. Oh, oh you're going to give him this? So, no, no, no. I am fine with her being upset with him eating out of both of them at the same time yeah. pick one put the other one away but like she says you have two open it's like well yeah because sometimes i want barbecue and sometimes i want sour cream and onion leave me alone linda, Just linda. Like, <laughs> uh, and then so dorit's telling him that um eagle woman is coming by um, because uh dorit's wanting to organize this retreat with the friend group to sort of like help move things on so Eagle Woman and Blue Raven, her assistants, show up. PK was annoying the fuck out of me this episode. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was. He always annoys me. And now that we see the rumors that apparently Dorit and PK might have issues, and we might see that play out over the season as well. Right, because apparently, like Wednesday night, like right as the episode is airing, In Touch was reporting that they are living separately. And that PK's in a hotel or whatever. But then, like, um, in a different... in people... They Dorit, released a statement. They released a statement that that's not true. Yeah. So, I don't know. But also, there was, like, a blind item saying that it seemed like that there's another couple breaking up on Beverly Hills, and it's not the one you think. So, it's like, 
it seemed like everything was hinting to it was Doreen and PK. And then also with the stuff that Erica said at BravoCon. The we'll only one that would surprise the, – the, the problem is, is that the only one of the couples that would surprise me at this point is Crystal and her husband. Yeah, and it's like they're not breaking up. Well, it's the one – it's not the one you think. And if yeah. we think it's PK and – uh, Dorit. Dorit, then it has to be Crystal, right? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Um, the uh, Eagle Woman said uh, basically like, you know, I'll take these women on like a vision quest and I'll help them express how they're feeling. PK goes, I'm a little cynical for you being able to achieve that with this group. These ladies, a lot of weird shit goes on. And <laughs> Dorit goes, honey, can you not, please not swear in front of the ladies? <laughs> it's like, Dorit, number one, shut up. But number two, PK, go the fuck away. Why are you here? He's like, they like me. They're one with me. It's like, he's so condescending. He made a comment about like, oh, is Eagle Woman flying in? Like, shut up. Like, you're such a prick. <laughs> he's such an asshole. Um, we then go to the actual spiritual retreat. We get it pretty much immediately um, in Malibu. Um, Kyle uh, says they're confessional. My relationship changed with everyone since last year. I was very hurt by some of the ladies last time I saw them. It's like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> uh, Kyle pissed me off this, this, this episode so much. But I've, mean, I've been pissed with Kyle for two seasons, though. But, I mean, Kyle has to take – Kyle's role on this show is the permanent victim. We know this. It has always been her role since season one. It's so fucking frustrating. I like, I I get she's an OG, and I, I I don't doubt the time that she's put in and the stuff that she's shown and all that stuff. I think she's a great housewife, but she is so fucking wrong and arrogant. Like I, she needs to take a step back as not like the center diamond for a second. I don't think she's willing to do that. I think the minute LVP left, she was like, I fully can take it, and I'm not getting rid of it. And she has never been able to lead the show. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. It's not. No, it's not for her. Um, Sutton tells the girls that she bought a horse uh, in the Netherlands, which I guess is her big plot point this season, that she bought a horse. <laughs> she keeps bringing up a lot. <laughs> yeah. I love Sutton. Sutton's been, like, I'm so glad we get to finally talk about Sutton because I love her. I think she's one of the best new additions on Housewives. Yeah. I think she's amazing. I think, uh, I also love how bitter Teddy is about her, that she called her, that Teddy, that Sutton called her boring. And it's so, like, I, I, I don't understand the haters who are just like, can I just say to Teddy and Rena and all these, make up your fucking minds. Is Sutton boring and not doing her job and doesn't show up to work? Or is she a giant messy ass shit star? Because it can't be both. And it's like you switch between the arguments. It's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So then Erica arrives, Erica and Professor. I've come to the retreat feeling two things. One, I knew I was vicious at the time. Two, I was also protecting myself and I had to stick up for myself. I would like to first off, okay, to the listeners, because this is the first time in the history of this podcast that we are talking about Beverly Hills. Um, and Beverly Hills and Erica Jane, um, there's a lot of opinions out there. Uh, there's I, a lot of opinions in this room. I, I, I want to, to say this. Uh, we at this podcast love a free expression of opinions about all things we understand that opinions about these kind of shows are different some you might like someone you might not like someone different and and we love the discussion about it full stop um we hope if you are listening that you do too um i will say some of the biggest fights that me and merlin have gotten in 
over, have been over Erica. Have Jane. been over Erica Jane. <laughs> you are very pro Erica. I am not so much pro Erica and more pro yeah. going with the information that we have at hand. You believe she's innocent. I believe that the information that we have at hand paints the picture of her being innocent. Okay. And I do not believe that we have enough evidence to even really indicate that there might be guilt on her part. I feel like anybody reaching for that is doing just that reaching and there's just not evidence there of it. There's, no. there's just not now. Can I, and, and I don't know your opinion on this particularly, but I also, I also want to differentiate the Tom Girardi case right. and the, the lion air plane crash victims and all that stuff. I'm kind of more likely to side with you in the sense that I don't necessarily believe that Erica knew everything about that and knew right. that I, he, I ultimately think she was a victim of Tom. He was abusing her financially and um, lording that power over her. And she really didn't get the ability to do anything about it until right at the very end. Yeah. Now what I will say is the one thing that I actually think is way more interesting in terms of her culpability. I don't, I think the lion air thing, I can believe she didn't know anything right with the, the one that I think is much more interesting is the more recent one that came out about Marco the, the Marco. Marco. And the um, her fashion old fashion designer and him basically according to him being falsely accused of money laundering money laundering I think is the term or whatever right where he was basically like charging her card without actually giving her product and stuff like that oh no that's fraud or fraud and that he went to almost went to jail for it basically right. and like he there was this whole thing about her wearing a wire and like getting him to like falsely say and that I think is more potentially fault on her end because i find if all those things are true i find it hard to believe that she had no knowledge when you're wearing a wire and right. you're actively participating in saying i never got these products when you absolutely got these products right um and again like i said earlier i will say the facts that we have at hand as they have been presented to us do lead that to be the case yeah and i think that with what we have, that is the only logical conclusion you can come to, is that Erica is culpable in that, that Erica is guilty of framing him of that and trying to commit fraud and all of those sorts of things against Marco Marco. I think she's completely innocent when it comes to the Tom Girardi shit. Yeah. And I will say, separate from the legal cases, one thing we do agree on is I don't think we fully, I don't think we liked how handled Erica handled things. Oh, absolutely not. Particularly last season. Absolutely not. That she was a little too aggressive with things. And, a little. Well, yeah. A lot. And she took things out on people falsely in many ways. Yes. And yeah. So. Yeah. I do. I do have a little bit of compassion in that I get she was going through it. That doesn't mean that it's excused, but it helps me understand. Yeah. That's right. And it helps me to then forgive easier than if she was doing it out of malice. Yeah. Anyway, now that's that, where we stand on the Erica Jane situation. Now that that housekeeping is out of the way, please leave five stars and a random positive rating and review. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nuanced situation because there's so much there. And if you disagree with it, that's fine. But just like, just know it's just a disagreement. <laughs> right. 
Um, so Erica also says, I'm walking in like a man on my own island. My friend is gone and we'll see what happens. I love that. It's just like, well, I have no one right now. That's yeah. what I was saying going into the season. Now with Rena gone, she has no ally. I also love that your Erica Jane is just your Meredith Marks. It's not it's perfect. The same voice. It's not perfect though. Like Erica's voice is so interesting and her delivery of things is like, is she delivers she's been delivering things like a movie villain the last couple seasons and it's like yeah a little bit um and then we see rinna's resignation email where she which people were like oh rinna proven right she wasn't fired yeah but the what andy said is that she asked that she wouldn't come back andy agreed and then she reneged on it and they wouldn't let her back yeah that's the situation that happened um yeah um Erica walks in. Kyle goes, "Are you the incredibly shrinking woman?" Because Erica's now so skinny. And Erica goes, "Are you?" I love Erica's. Like, I'll throw it back on you, bitch. I, there's rumors <laughs> about you too. Garcelle goes, "Wow, so skinny." And Erica goes, "Hormones, hormones." <laughs> Doreen or Confessional goes, "Hormones" in air quotes and goes, "Is hormones spelled O Z E M P I C?" I don't know. <laughs> I was like. I was really excited for Dorit this episode. It felt the one of the things that the fandom has always been saying is that we need season seven Dorit back. That's Dorit's gotten a little too complacent. Yeah. That we need her to be much more bitchy like she used to be. And this felt like it. This felt like that. And she got the first read of the season. Good job. Yeah. Erica and her freshman goes, people think I'm on Ozempic. And the producer goes, Ozempic or Wagovi or are you? And Erica goes, no, I'm not. But I'm on really good hormones. And they should too. It's like, fuck. No, what does hormones mean? What hormone? Give me the name of the, give me the name of the pill. Yeah. Like, just say you're, it's it's so weird to lie about being on Ozempic, but claiming that you're taking something else. Yeah. Well, but that's not even the, the claim because the claim that she made on Watch What Happens Live is that it's menopause. Yeah. And it's just the natural hormones that she's got from that but it's like you had that in like a two-month period in between the la the reunion and filming <laughs> also the last time i checked um like menopause makes you flood your system with with uh estrogen yeah estrogen makes you gain weight that's why women have so much harder time losing weight than men do it don't make no sense <laughs> Like, it just doesn't make sense. It makes no fucking sense. And I'm sense. sorry, Teddy, being like, why are we critiquing women's bodies? We're not. We are calling out a lie. Like, like don't lie. Like you said, lying about it is actually more fat phobic. Yes. Like, so, like, fuck off. Uh, go worry about your fucking health spa that's basically creating eating disorders. Allegedly. Right. Allegedly. Allegedly nothing. Fuck her. <laughs> Read that Daily Beast article um eagle woman leads them into the circle and all that um they drink sage tea and they basically she talks about like how like the eagle like flies the highest into the sun and it's like this big long metaphor i'm i'm sure right. it's actually real i actually think it's really i mean i i'm all in for spirituality i'm trying right. not to you know shit on it but it was just like they did frame it in kind of a hokey kind of way yeah and it's like come on guys 
Like, this is, like, deeply held beliefs by a lot of people, and, like, you need to treat it with a little bit of respect. Yeah. Like, that's why I was frustrated with PK at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Dorit goes, we've all had a rough year. My hope for us would be to move through some of the issues, heal, and then put it behind us. And Kyle goes, well said. And Dorit goes, I mean, I'm very happy to go first. <laughs> Dorit's, like, going to be, like, gloves off. And then as soon as she turned to Erica and goes, I feel very hurt by you, Erica. I was like, here we go. I've been waiting for this. The I'm so glad that she didn't give her a pass on this. Yeah. Dorit goes, obviously, I'm sure you know why. To see you behave like that was deeply hurtful. And then we get the footage from BravoCon when the question was asked about who do you think is the next to bre- uh, break up in your friend group. And Erica being like, I don't want to answer that. And then just stomping onto the stage and going, I think it's Dorit and PK. <laughs> right. Erica goes, I didn't want to answer the question, and I asked not to. And Dorit goes, you deliver that answer like someone who really wanted that attention, which is so true. Like, yeah. like, it, it, like clearly the I don't want to answer was meant to be playing coy. It, like, <laughs> Erica goes, Dorit, I'm a showman. <laughs> I walked right down to the edge of that stage, and I gave those people what they wanted. You gotta have a gimmick. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like. What are you do- This is not vaudeville. What are we doing? I don't understand. And then Dorita Erica Russell standing up, going to the center stage, delivering the line and flipping her hair, coming back and being, feeling very good about herself. And then she makes Erica's face going, mm. <laughs> like, jeez. That's not a showman. That's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought that you were going to lead with an apology rather than defending it. And I was like, why would you think that, Dorit? Have you met Erica Jane? <laughs> when has Erica ever led with an apology, especially in the last couple of years? It's like, that's, that was, I wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Erica goes, it was a shady question. And I gave you a shady answer. And then they just sort of pause for a little bit. And Erica goes, Dorit, is your marriage strong? And we were like, oh! <laughs> My marriage is very strong. And then Sutton in her... Conf- I was like, holy shit, Sutton. I was, I was gagged. I was so gagged. She goes, the only thing I've heard about PK and Dorit was the night PK got pulled over for a DUI. He may have or may not have had a woman in the car with him. That's the only rumor I've heard. It's like, holy shit, Sutton. Sutton is like, oh, I got shit. Like, I, I love Sutton's brain, and I love how she operates, like, because she got dog-piled last year. Like, everyone except Garcelle and Cherie were, was feuding with Sutton at one point last yeah. year. And she's like, I'm not going to be timid. I'm just going to keep, like, fucking just uh-huh. t- throw the daggers at me, bitches. Like, <laughs> uh, so good. Dorit goes, first of all, I went through a very challenging year. You're hurting, and so you lash out. And you're mean-spirited, which, yeah, that's very true. Erica then starts crying and goes, The last two years of my life have been complicated. But we all hurt each other's feelings in this group. I was getting hit by all sides, and I just needed a moment to catch my breath in this group. But as your friend, I would like to apologize. If I was rough, if I was vicious, I never felt so alone. So unheard. I love you all, and I'm very sorry. And I and like, it's 
Erica's delivery is hilarious, just generally. It's hard to, like, but I actually like this, and I thought that, like, it's what Erica needed. Erica, at least Erica isn't, like, again digging her feet in and being like, no, I'm the victim in this, and so I should be correct, and therefore, whatever. Right. Like. And I did like that you pointed out, she figured out the eyeliner and the mascara. (laughs) Suddenly, it's not, it's waterproof waterproof now we're good yeah it's like I, I i i was getting a little over erica just not taking any criticism and like i get feeling attacked but like not taking any like constructive criticism within that yeah and i think now that ren is gone and pretty much all of the legal bullshit is over with for her yeah she can really kind of take a step back and like let this be her chill year just don't work so hard you're good (laughs) garcelle goes it's interesting in her confessional goes it's interesting to see erica be emotional and vulnerable but i also feel like do i trust that completely i don't know that being said yeah i want to give erica a chance and then she goes you get what you give and i'm like exactly and that's like yeah that's the whole that was the whole issue with erica it's like you know kyle then starts and then starts crying she's like something's been bothering me as well um, the stuff with Kathy, I think, really strained all of our relationships. I was so upset and so emotional, and I felt like I looked up and I and I wanted someone to comfort me. Talking about at the reunion, and I'm like, "Girl, okay." Like again, I I side on that Kathy's the victim in that. In terms of it, again, it doesn't matter what Kathy said. I, I, I believe Kathy had some kind of blow up at Aspen. But, like, it didn't warrant Kyle pretty much abandoning her to these jackals who were trying to basically... Like, Rena was literally posting daily, weekly, on her Instagram, on her social media, about how Kathy was a racist and she was a homophobe and was saying negative shit about... like, Like, sharing shit about Paris and stuff like that. And at a certain point, as her fucking sister... I don't care what the argument is. You say, stop. That's my fucking sister. Fucking stop. Right. That's all Kathy fucking wanted. Right. And I don't care that you get in fights with her and you've had issues for years. I don't deny that Kathy is a difficult sister. Your whole family's fucked up. Like, like we've seen it for, you know, however many years. But, like, that doesn't mean you abandon her like that. Right. If you still want family, like if, if you still believe in your family and the good times and all that stuff, you, you be a fucking sister. Like, like Kim said, like Kathy is like a real sister. Like, yeah, you're never like that. And then, but she's like, you know, no one, you know, I was sad seeing no one comforted me. And then she gets specific in her confessional and I was fed up. She goes, I didn't expect more from, I expected more from Dorit and Sutton. I was very hurt by that. And one, before I get to the second part of what Kyle said, someone pointed out on Twitter, Dorit actually tried, if you watch the reunion back, to mediate it between Kyle and Kathy. And Kyle said, butt out of it. What did you want Dorit to do? Yeah, because you told her to shut up and sit down. Because you thought you knew better. Yep. So fuck off on that. But then Kyle continues. Kyle goes, because she's also expected more from Sutton. Sutton's a very social person. I get it. You want to be friends with Kathy. Do I think it's because she has a lot of parties? I do. Fuck 
off. That is so fucking stupid and and ridiculous. What does two things? What does Sutton fucking owe you? You have been a terrible friend to Sutton since she has came on this fucking show. You've never had her back and continued when uh, Teddy was making those stupid accusations that she has vodka in her purse or whatever. What were you, what was Kyle doing? She was giggling. Mm -hmm. You, what do you owe Sutton? Like, like, or excuse me, what does Sutton owe you? You've been fucking terrible to her. You've thrown her under the bus constantly. You've never been a good friend to her. You literally were manhandling her at Garcelle's birthday party. You sided with Diana against her when she's like revealing like deeply personal things about her miscarriages, accused her of lying about those miscarriages. Fuck you, Kyle. And also, thank you for bringing up Diana, by the way, because that's the second part. To try to portray Sutton as this social climber who wants to be at parties with Kathy Hilton because, you know, she wants to be around the richness and the, and the expensiveness and all that stuff. The only reason any of you or any of your Fox Force friends were friends with fucking Diana and were incessantly defending Diana all last season was because of her rings, because of her money, and because of her access to wealth. That was the only reason you were friends with her. Literally the only reason. Y'all were so fucking far up Lizard Lips' ass. And it was (laughs) disgusting. The entire fucking season. Kyle is so obsessed with money all the fucking time. All the time. That's why she hates her sister. Because Kathy is so fucking rich. It's like Doth protests too fucking much, Kyle. Literally. Ugh. So you played, uh, you know, uh, a little girl in a horror movie and a little girl on a prairie once. Like, and apparently recently I found out that she was a nurse for several years on oh, ER. Yeah, you showed me that. <laughs> but like, this was with her old nose. And oh. it, <laughs> it was just... <laughs> Avid is currently dying. Um, but yeah, like I just you you're you're not you're never gonna be Kathy, and that's okay. You don't need to be Kathy. Just be Kyle. Yeah. Stop trying to be Kim. Stop trying to be Kathy, and finally, like, embrace you. And maybe that's a lesbian. Maybe. Maybe it's not. I don't care. I just want you to find whoever that is and be genuine for once on this fucking show. And we'll get to that later. She really, I mean, she really doesn't know where who she is, I think. She really ways. doesn't. Well, because she's been acting since day one of her life. Yeah. She doesn't know how to be Kyle. She doesn't know who that is. Yeah. Everything's a performance. Garcelle tells Kyle, I felt for you, but I was also confused by you. Because I thought that you weren't going towards the people that are coming for your family. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like you were fucking, you did nothing about Rena and Erica. Like, Kyle goes in her confessional, why is Garcelle not getting that my sister created all of this by coming for my family and for me? And it's like, okay, here we go. Here's where it is. Kyle has learned the lesson that it was all Kathy's fault and I am completely right. It's exhausting. And she can't take accountability for literally fucking anything. And if they have repaired their relationship seemingly from what Kyle has tried to portray, I don't imagine Kathy watching this episode is thinking very highly of Kyle. That's fair. I also don't think Kathy's watching the show. Maybe not. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Kyle goes, I'm not a punching bag. I didn't feel like defending someone that hurt me repeatedly, so I kept my mouth shut. 
it's like okay whatever but like it's like it's not just a person it's your sister that's the point right eagle woman goes there's a lot of pain but there's a lot of love and erica goes well we can't hurt be hurt by people that we don't love and they all group hug and 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 sort of mend everything and dorit goes Hell hath frozen over, or at least Beverly Hills has. And you were like, Erica vindicated. It snows in Pasadena. (laughs) (laughs) We go to Sutton at her store, and she's meeting with her property manager, Avi. And they're talking about things. Uh, She brings up that they have some horse issues that they have to tend to. Avi goes, define horse. And Sutton goes, it's my money. I can do whatever I want. It's on my Amex. I'm like, of course Sutton paid for that horse on her Amex. Yeah. God, Sutton is so fucking rich. I love her. I grew up riding and wanted to ride again. Some people would say, well, just lease the horse. But I'm not normal. And Santos spoke to me with his eyes on the internet. <laughs> oh, my lord. Uh, and then, so Sutton is having lunch at her store with her friend Jennifer Tilly, which I'm, I'm glad we got Jennifer, like, on an actual like housewives episode. Cause I mean, they've been, you know, Sutton was in the Chucky, um, uh, whatever that Chucky movie recently. That she, oh, it's a TV show or the, yeah, the TV series. Sorry. Um, and like you, I love their friendship. I think they're really good yeah. together actually. Um, Sutton talks about how, um, <laughs> once like, we're just crazy girls. We were on a flight to France once and I put a, her salted caramel in my ear thinking it was an earplug. <laughs> I, I still don't understand how you miss that. I, I don't. I okay. <sighs> um, Sutton talks about. Um, so Sutton gets into like talking about like her business and stuff like that, and how it's really been her focus. She goes, "I want to show my success to my ex husband," and she then starts talking. I I thought this was a really you know it was good to see this stuff from Sutton about how like you know in the beginning of my marriage with my ex-husband like we were on equal footing, and then when I got pregnant, he was basically like, "You're not working anymore," and then. After that, all my power got diminished. Yeah. And I became lesser than, and I was basically given an allowance, like, essentially. And she's like, I want to instill, particularly in my daughter, my the lesson that I learned from that. And I will never allow that to happen again. And I'm like, I, I love Sutton, the depth of Sutton's character that I think we haven't fully gotten into. I mean, we see a little bit yeah. like, of her dating and stuff like that. And a little bit more of her family last season, but, like... I actually think she's a really compelling character. Yeah, I agree. Uh, she goes, when you're divorced, there's two words, spousal support. I'm not going to give that up because only stupid people would do that, but I don't want the anchor of it. Like $300,000 a month. That's, that ain't some cheap change. I agree with her. I would not give that the fuck up. Not for anything. Yeah. And she's like, I don't feel guilty about that. Cause we built it together. Like I, like, right. like I, we were equal partners in that. That's why I have this money. It wasn't that I just married some rich dude and then had a good prenup. Right. Like, so I, I, I'm really happy that like, you know, she, she's thriving and doing well. We then go to Erica, who's meeting uh, with her therapist, Dr. Mann at her house. Um, and we had seen Dr. Mann last season. They did like a little FaceTime like therapy session. I said it at the time. I wish Erica would have, whether it's like, whether from a calculated perspective or not, whether it's genuine or calculated, doesn't matter. I wish we would have seen those scenes earlier in the process of this whole Tom stuff. Yeah. Because if I feel like I would have gotten more sympathy, felt more sympathy for her in the moments where she didn't come off as well. Yeah. I think, but I also feel like maybe we would have felt like it was more orchestrated. Maybe. Like it was more 
meant to garner sympathy. Yeah. That makes sense. It's one of those things where it's like it's become a situation where it's hard to not look that way. I think yeah. anyone's, people are going to think that one way or the other. Yeah. Um, Erica says that therapy has given me the tools to organize my emotions. Um, and then she tells her uh, therapist, listen, I was married to one of the most unsupportive human humans probably known to, uh, to marriages. And then Tom being indicted and all that. Um, and then she says to her confessional, do I feel better that I'm not included in an indictment? Absolutely. But that does, but does that stop people from thinking that I did something wrong? No. And it's like, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think even if she wasn't listed in the early stuff in the indictments and wasn't like, you know, the LA times articles and all that stuff, I think we do have this tendency of society of like, well, what did the wife know? And, right. you know, like, and we always, I mean, they never explicitly said it, obviously, but it's like, we always, from the minute Erica came on TV, kind of viewed her marriage with Tom as transactional because of the age difference, because of the kind of story of how they got together. Yeah. Like, it's hard to not view it as that. Yeah. I, I, I personally feel like there's a lot of fans who just never liked her and yeah. used this as a way to, as an excuse to hate her because there wasn't really an excuse otherwise, other than what you just didn't you thought she was a bitch i guess i, I looking back because we we binged like we mentioned before right. like, during covid and i i guess at the time there were a good like there were i would say about maybe half and half maybe a little more favor of her but like there were definitely people that thought that she was too cold and frigid but the people that didn't like her hated her yeah it wasn't like a yeah i could take her a lever or you know she's not my favorite it was vitriol yeah and i just i don't see how we're, well i i just ranted about kyle maybe i'm wrong but like i don't understand with beverly hills having that much vitriol unless it's like in, incredibly serious you know but even I mean? then like we can sit here and rant about kyle but at the end of the day i want the best for her yeah. i want her to discover who she is and share that with us but i just i'm frustrated that she feels like she has to fake it yeah like i i don't hate her no like, I I just can't like, and also like, I think people look down on her because of the, they viewed as the transactional relationship of the marriage. I, I viewed it as transactional, but I never looked down on her for it. Like right. I thought like, if that's what she wanted, fine. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, the legal stuff aside, like her culpability, her possible culpability and legal stuff aside. I think the idea that she married this really rich old guy good on her to me feminism and to me all those things is letting women do what they want with their lives right and you know and if she used this to get a leg up because we have to remember she was raising a child on her own right. working in a diner that's where she met this man like she was struggling yeah if she used that to make a better life for herself and for her son good for her like, at the end of the day, we all wish we had opportunities like that. Yeah. And we just don't all get them. You're just jealous that she took hers. Yeah. They then cut to this, like, compilation of all the other women talking about, like, the Tom stuff. Sutton with the really deft hand on the FaceTime with Garcelle. Old man Girardi, he's going to jail. It's like, Jesus, Sutton. <laughs> and then they show Rob talking to Crystal and going, 
She may not have been responsible for stealing the money. She is responsible for spending the money. I still don't agree with that. I yeah, I I agree and don't she's agree. She's only she's only responsible for spending the money if she knew where the money came from. Sure. Also, and there's no evidence of that. Also, the two seconds really we see Crystal this whole episode. I right. We didn't. She got. She was almost non-existent. Yeah. Um. I, well, speaking of non-existent, we also don't get Anne Marie. Yeah, she, I hear she doesn't come until like episode six. That's a lot. Yeah, so, yeah, that should be interesting. Um, Dr. Mann says that basically, you know, you'll start a new – because Erica is basically like, Tom's old. He's going to die soon. And she's like, after that, you're going to start a new stage of grieving when that happens. Right. And Erica goes, really? God damn it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dr. Mann says, as long as you're not mixing Lexapro and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Erica says she's off Lexapro now. Which, good. Good. It's like, yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> It was, and the way the way it was just kind of condi- I I still can't get over last season the whole Erica's just having fun like w- it was <laughs> it was so dangerous yeah Erica goes Dorit was very upset with me for what I said at BravoCon I need to be a better friend how can I do this and then this is where it got weird <laughs> she was like asking how to be empathetic Doctor Ma- Doctor Man goes. You're going to need to be able to look at what your friends are going through, and you're going to need to have some empathy for them. And Erica goes, where does that come from? How, how do you develop that? It was like she was, like, an iRobot. And, like, what is feelings? What is emotion? How to human. What is love? It's like... Baby, don't hurt me. Don't <laughs> hurt me no more. It was so odd. It was like... Yeah, it and, was and really Doctor, weird. And Dr. Man had to be like, so, like, you imagine being in that person's shoes with their background and their history. Which I was frustrated by because that's not empathy. It's technically sympathy. That's sympathy. Yeah. But like, empathy is when you know the pain and have experienced something similar firsthand and can then actually relate to what they're going through. Yeah. And Erica's just like, ah. It's like, girl, what the fuck? <laughs> I just, I don't understand. Um, we see Dorit uh, is having Kyle over to the house for pizza. Dorit goes to PK and goes, do you think Kyle will want some pizza? And, and PK goes, judging by the photographs I've seen of Kyle, I think she'll have a nice glass of water and nothing else. I'm like, can you not comment on women's bodies? Yeah. I'm, and uh, <laughs> Like that, com- that thing with, remember last season with Mauricio where they were like, other than your wife, can you pick the one person that you would, it's like, fuck off. Like, you're so creepy and gross. Yeah. And Dorit going, pizza on Hermes doesn't get any better than that. It's like, that's going to be in a trailer. Jeez. Um, I was so weird, though. It was weird, though. It's like she's having a dinner at Dorit's house with just Dorit. Like, P- PK's there. Mauricio isn't there. Like, but PK just goes off into his bedroom. I'm like. I guess, like, if if we're meant to believe that, like, it's, hey, like. Kyle's coming over for some bestie time, I guess. Maybe. I guess. It just seemed like real formal, too. It was yeah. Like, I think that was the odd pot, odd, odd part for me. You've been watching too much Survivor. Got that uh, Boston accent Oh, my going. God. Where did that come from? It was like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, could, I was going to say something. <laughs> um, Kyle basically says that she hasn't had a drop of alcohol in seven months and that it's been... I mean, good for her. Good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to be like, yeah, drink more. <laughs> no, but I mean, it. it is difficult on housewives to not 
drink when everyone else is. Oh, I didn't. You don't know they forced them to drink. Oh yeah, isn't that the thing? Everyone, everyone who drinks on everyone drinks on on Bravo shows and and has no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, but but is is that the case, or is it you know true that I, I tend to believe uh, someone like Ariana more than anyone else who literally goes, well, they will pay for two drinks. And anything above that, you have to pay for on your own. Yeah. So I think maybe they don't plow you with drinks. You just are a drunk. Yeah. Also, when are we getting that union, by the way? Is that actually still happening or not? Mm. No? Okay. No, nothing. (laughs) Dorit goes, I'm so happy they see you in a better place. And (laughs) Kyle basically says that, you know, I saw Kathy at like Sutton's holiday party and it was civil. I'm in a place now where I'm just not going to be mistreated by anybody. And then she goes, I didn't deserve what she said about me. I didn't do one fucking thing to deserve that. It's like, you can't say, you you don't think you did anything last year that you were negging Kathy on the trip. But also Kathy literally came to your house and apologized. Like. And Rena then proceeded to ruin it, but whatever. Kyle goes. Kathy is used to a lot of people allowing her to get away with certain behavior. It's taken this long to say, I'm not going to allow you to treat me like this. It's like, I, that's the part where I was like, if Kathy is watching it, she like, I agree with you. She probably doesn't. But if she is, she, that comment is so like yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. Especially when Kathy's not coming back this season. Right. She has no way to defend herself in that regard. She has no, there's no argument there. You're just kind of being a dick to her. I think she's using it as a excuse for the stuff with Mauricio. Right. It's, it feels like that, especially when we get to that last scene. Yeah. Dorit says, you know, it's also been a difficult year for her and that she was struggling with PTSD, you know, with her break-in, and we saw a little bit about that. She goes, my husband, the one that you depend on the most, was spending a lot of time in London. I started to feel like PK and I weren't connected. And Kyle goes, I've had those thoughts. I think it's normal to have those thoughts. It, this, it, it's all a setup for the Mauricio stuff. Again, we're like halfway through the first episode at this point, And it's like, this just feels like, yeah. like uh, you're telegraphing. Dorit goes, I walked down the aisle with PK because I truly believed I was going to spend the rest of my life with him. Or the rest of his anyways. It's like, Shady. She loves to di- take a dig at PK. I mean, it's very like, I mean, PK is not Povet. No. By any means. But it's very like Jessalyn Poppin. Accent and all. <laughs> <laughs> well, the difference is, is that I believe uh, Jessel's accent. Yeah. <laughs> She's not from Connecticut. Oh, is that where maybe Dorit knows Mr. Connecticut? Oh, it's is it PK? <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time PK's been accused. <laughs> Dorit then says, it'd be one thing if he cheated on me or lied to me or did something to say that there was an incident. There wasn't. I just needed him there. It's like... Uh, 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 moving on. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't. We then see Garcelle, and she's having a picnic at the beach with her uh, tw- two sons, Jackson and Jade. <laughs> this whole scene hurt my heart. It hurt, it hurt my heart. But before that, like, Garcelle's having to, like, instruct Jax how to, like, fill up the car with gas and stuff like that. But, like, from inside the car. Get out and go over there and show him. Well, also, he puts it on and, like, locks it to where it'll automatically. And then he gets back in the car. It's like, also, you're 15. Like, yeah. you should know how to pump gas by now. 
Um, Garcelle's been coming off shooting a show in Atlanta for three weeks, so she's, you know, wanting to, you know, you know, get get with the boys again. We do find out that Jade uh, has a girlfriend, Ashlyn. He's, like, carving her name into, like, wood. and He and, is obsessed. And I love the, like, um, we'll get to it later, like, the dichotomy, because they're twins. But, like, the dichotomy of them, like, Jade is very, like, sort of, like, classic teenage boy, sort of, like, whatever. Jax is, like, very um, adult for his age and, like, yeah. the way he, like, speaks. And, like, um, like we'll get to it later, the conversation with Garcelle, whether it was tough or not. Like, he speaks very eloquently in a way that's, like... Very, Most teenagers can't speak like that. I was incredibly impressed. I was like, wow. Like, you know, a 15-year-old isn't talking, like, so... Well, and it's not even just like speak like he's has an emotional maturity, yeah. That most, like, hell, most thirty year olds haven't achieved. You know, like he's very aware of his like needs as a child mm-hmm. and whether they have been met or not. Um, they ask about you know, can we stay with you guys for another for you at your house for another week instead of going back to dad's and Garth goes. You know, you said something yesterday that, that going back and forth really sucked. And Jax goes, I think it would be much better if we didn't. Jade says, <laughs> Jade says, we were at dad's for like a year, so it's fine. And Garcelle's, it, I was gone for three weeks. And he goes, three weeks is basically a year. It's really not. Like, that. there's another 49 weeks. Yeah. Like, I don't. This was, yeah. This, I, <laughs> this was interesting. I think, and. I like that Garcelle shared this because I think it was very honest of her and like, you know, and all that stuff. But like, I didn't agree with the boys fully in certain regards. Like I didn't view Garcelle as particularly absentee. Like I get that she, like she talks about being an actress and it's about work and like sort of like naturally when you have some, a parent who is an actor, they're going to be away for extended periods of time. But like, again, like, like she said, three weeks isn't a year. I didn't see like that. Well, I think also, like, kids, they only have the frame of reference in the percentage of their lived lives, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, when I think of a year, I think of it in terms of the 34 that I've lived. But a year in terms of being 15, that's a lot different, right? right? Um, So, three weeks when you're 15 is a lot of time. Especially going through high school, especially going through high school when, you know, people know that your mom is famous. Yeah. Like, especially having had the frustrating shit with Erica last season with him. Yeah. So, like, I can understand why he felt like that was a lot of time and why he was like, I needed you in this time and you weren't there. But also, like, if your father is present at that time, he needs to be there for that. Like, right. if you needed a parent, he needs to be filling that role. It is not on Garcelle to be parent when she's there and when she's not there. Yeah, I agree. Garcelle says that, you know, I could tell that they were annoyed that, uh, you know, I was gone so long. And then she tells them, you know, sometimes I wish you would just vocalize it, though. Like, this is, you know, this is your chance to say, like, how you feel about how, you know, we run the household. And Jax goes, I'd like more freedom. Garcelle goes, I feel like you're not letting me parent you sometimes. Like, if you're sick and I can say, like, you know, I, let me give you something. You're like, mom, mom, um, which I think is normal sort of right. child stuff. 
Jax goes, that's fair. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, that you want to be more of a parent to us, but I needed that two years ago instead of now. Most of the parenting and teaching me how to live, I know how to do that all myself. And I'm like, well, you you just learn how to pump gas. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> um, Garcelle goes, so were you saying that I wasn't your mom then? And Jax goes, yeah. And even Jade looks at Jax like, motherfucker, that's too harsh. <laughs> like... Yeah, roll it back. <laughs> Garcelle says, hearing it from him is like a knife in the heart. You know, Jax goes, you know, my intention isn't to hurt you. I just think that what needs to be said needs to be said, whether it hurts or not. And I appreciate that he feels comfortable enough with her to be able to say that. I think he is overly harsh. I think he's overly harsh. Now, but to be fair, we're not in their household. Yeah. Right. But, but to the emotional intelligence part, like him saying... My intention is not to hurt you, I think is a important part of that conversation and something that I'm really proud that he had the emotional intelligence to right. say to her. Right. To be able to say, this is not my intention and I am holding space for the fact that I know that it is still going to hurt. Yeah. And like, like he's able to understand that your intentions doesn't necessarily match the outcome. Yeah. Um. But I also think that, like, you're 15. You don't necessarily know what you need, you know? Yeah. And I think that, like, at a certain point looking back, it's very easy. Or it's a lot easier to see when your parents failed in certain moments. When you're in it, I don't know that you necessarily know. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's not right because I feel like, yes, you do know in the moment. Right. But like, I don't know. I just I don't think felt you, like, I don't think you know the full story. Right. I don't think you know the, all of the elements of it. Necessarily. Right. There's, you may know how you felt. You, right. You know how you felt. You know that you felt like you needed something more from them, but you also don't have the maturity to understand this is everything that's at play. Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like it's unfair to say you weren't my mother then. Yeah. Like that, that is. It's hard. Yeah. And Garcelle says they're a confessional. I'm happy he's being honest, but it makes me feel like a failure. And it's like, that sucks. And, and yeah. yeah. Garcelle says, you know, she's sorry for the times that she felt that she wasn't there enough, that he felt that, that she wasn't there enough. And he goes, and I'm sorry too. I'm glad both of us can admit faults from the past and mature from that. And Garcelle goes, who are you? Also, <laughs> when did he admit a fault? I know, right? But just her, I love the moment of just Garcelle realizing, Jesus Christ, it's like I'm talking to an adult. Like, Yeah. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Um, then we, okay, so then we go to Kyle's house. And Kyle's, oh, at, Kyle's at home with Mauricio and she's getting more and more annoyed because Mauricio's on the phone with his assistant, like by his desk working. She comes to the room and goes, how much longer? And Mauricio goes, honey, I'm working. And Kyle goes, well, as soon as you can wrap up with your golf schedule, let me know. So fucking condescending. I believe like a kindergartner. I believe Kyle was the problem in that relationship. I am so sorry. Yeah. I like, ugh. Kyle says that her and Mo have been working nonstop. And Kyle says, when you have to schedule a meeting to go over your schedule, you know it's a problem. Actually, no, I don't think that that's a problem. I think that that's you are both busy professionals and that that's just part of how that works yeah like when you are both working when he's literally running a business and also on a television show 
and you're on a television show and you're also getting back into acting, all of these things, yeah, there's multiple schedules and that's okay. You just need to sit down and make sure that you have time for each other. Right. Uh, Maurice, I thought this was interesting. Mo goes, you look amazing. You're going to work out. You look so good. And Kyle's not even looking at him as, as he says this and goes, thanks. It was like, uh, I, uh, I have a Kyle. I, I don't like Kyle. I don't like Kyle. I, I just have to reckon, recognize that. I don't like Kyle. <laughs> and everything is through that lens and that's okay. Yeah. Kyle says that working out has been like a real outlet for her with all the bad things that she's gone through. And her confessional goes, I feel good about it. And I hope Mo does too. Because here I am. It's like, it definitely, it definitely is giving that sense, like you mentioned, that it's like she's manifesting, like she's taking all her, like not coping with the actual shit and like owning shit and like figuring out problems and is passing it off into working out and, right. you know, weight loss and all this stuff and, and her lifestyle change. And it's like, that to well, me, lifestyle changes. Yeah. That to me can be just as unhealthy. Yeah. You know, even though it, maybe not physically. Mauricio then goes, starts noticing that she has like a tattoo on her leg. And, and Mauricio goes, how many tattoos do you have right now? And Kyle goes, five. And then she starts going through each of them. This is this one, blah, blah, blah. Lays it out. And Mauricio goes, I only knew of three. And Kyle goes, well, maybe you should be looking at my body closer. So up until this moment. I'm with Mo. I feel like it's a little weird that he doesn't know about these tattoos. And I think that it's weird, not in that he should be paying more attention to her body, but I think it's weird when you're in a relationship with someone and you get a tattoo and you don't come home and show it to that yeah, person. Yeah, like, hey, I, hey, honey, I got this tattoo. Like, why would you not come home and go, ooh, look at this. Don't you like it? I really like it. That's what you do when you love someone and you are sharing your life with someone. Right. Like, you are excited to share things. Like, when you get a new haircut or you get a new tattoo or you get, you know, a new piece of jewelry or you go to the store and get a new jacket. You you share those things because you are sharing your life with this person. Yeah. And so I know where you're about to say that you don't agree. There's a part where you switch on Mauricio uh-huh. and I agree with you, but I also blame Kyle to a certain extent. And I'm going to explain it. I I thought I, okay. real, I realized it on the rewatch. Okay. Because Mauricio goes, I think that's enough. Yeah. And then Kyle goes, I don't know. I think I'll, I'm going to get another one. And then Mauricio goes, five tattoos is enough. And Kyle goes, if I want to, I will. Mauricio then says, I will not allow that, which is at that yeah. point, I was like, fuck you, Marie. Like, yeah. And she goes, it's my body, which I agree. But I think he says that like offhandedly. And I think I, he, he then kind of not takes it back, but then starts going more sort of emotionally. He goes, love being stopped that you don't need any more tattoos. And Kyle goes, you don't have a choice. And then Marisa goes, honey. And then Kyle pauses and like performantly like, stares at him and goes, you don't have a choice. Here's my here's my issue with Kyle. Yes, the comment of I will not allow that is wrong on Mauricio's part to say as a right. man telling a woman what she can do with her body. Full stop. My issue watching it back the second time, I don't think Kyle wants even an extra tattoo. I think she was just saying that to fuck with Mauricio. Yes. And to get under his skin. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll get another one. You know, yeah. Like that is I don't like that. 
I really don't fucking like that. Also, I felt like this whole scene was like, like set up in such a way to show off that they aren't being intimate. Yeah. Like the whole point of this was to put that on display. It's not about the tattoos. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the tattoos. It was so that she could say, well, you're not touching my body. You're not looking at my body. It's a, yeah, I agree. I, I just don't trust Kyle. I don't trust her. Everything is a pageant. Everything is a stage play. So like, it's, it's like this complicated dance that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, totally. Totally. Kyle goes, I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to have to explain anything to anybody anymore, including you. Yeah. It's like, fuck off. That's so ridiculous. Like, Marisa goes, don't become a rebellious person and do it out of rebelling. Do it because you want it. And then Kyle goes, I am very fucking clear right now. I'm not rebelling. I'm just very clear. And it's like, you don't, I don't understand the standoffishness. Yeah. Like, I, I don't can, understand why she immediately got, like, angry. I can understand feeling emotionally detached. I can understand not having time together and having that connection aspect. But if, you're, if we're going to believe that your life is spiraling because of the Kathy stuff and, and blah, 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 and all this stuff, you are taking it out on Mo seemingly for no reason. Yeah. And that's my issue. It's like, you don't have, and, and but that's, <laughs> Jack's Garcelle's son has entirely more emotional maturity than Kyle does. Well, yeah. and, and, and she showcased that. I just think it's frustrating as hell. And I, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel going through this season. Like I, I, Oh, I do. I know exactly how you're going to feel. And we're all going to be along for the ride. All right. Let's talk tops and bottoms. Uh, we got, uh, we got Roni. We, well, we got two episodes of Roni. We we got uh, Beverly Hills. We got Salt Lake City. What do we what do we got, babe? Um, I'll start with my top actually for this week. I am going to go with Jessel over on Real Housewives of New York. Of course, I thought I actually thought she did great. Particular, well, at the finale party as well because I thought she held her own and sort of like stood in her power in many ways. Yes, and at the reunion, I thought she had the quips. I thought she had the big the best jokes. I think in the way that Uba timed everything so poorly. Jessel timed everything so perfect, and she had such great timing and, like, yeah, was able to find her moment in things that I really, really appreciated. And I love her standing up to Aaron and Cy and calling out their gaslighting and, yeah. you know, stopping that in their tracks. Really good stuff from Jessel, I would say. Um, my bottom, <laughs> I'm Kyle on Beverly Hills. Uh, well, yeah. I feel like I just said, like, eight times this episode, I hate Kyle, so <laughs> that's fitting. Yeah, it's just like I, I respect like I said, I respect her tenure on the show in certain regards. I just don't find her correct in almost anything. I think I find her incredibly emotionally unintelligent. I think yep. she is never willing to take fault of anything and constantly plays victim. And I think that works if you're the villain and, and maybe she will be the villain this season, I don't know. But like it just I don't I don't see her in a positive light and I haven't for like the last couple seasons. Yeah. So that's been frustrating. Uh what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Uh I'm gonna start with my bottom. Uh because I like ending on a high note. Um so I'm starting with my bottom and that's gonna be L D. Oh god, yeah. Salt Lake City. 
she pissed me the fuck off. So bad. There is just, there is no excuse to speak down to another person like that. But especially your fucking daughter. Like, how dare you? Like, she is sitting here getting attacked from all sides. And then all of a sudden her mom comes in and decides to start throwing punches of her own. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, lady? Like, get over yourself. You clearly are were not very mothering to her at all. So even if you wanted to, like, claim that she owes you some sort of fealty or something for you being a great mom, you don't even get that. But even then, that's not how this shit works. Yeah. You're equals at this point. Stop speaking down to her. She's a fucking human being. And in opposition to that evil bitch, my top's going to Monica. Because despite getting punches thrown at her from all sides, she held her own. She was going through absolute hell. Stayed on her feet, except when she fell down the stairs. But we don't see that on camera. <laughs> um, but like, you know... I have said over and over and over again, she is, like, an amazing rookie. Yeah. Like, and and again, we are seeing it across. Hopefully, we get to continue that with Anne-Marie. And with, there's a new one on Potomac as well, right? Uh, NECA? Yeah. Um, and so, we got Jen. We've got, from uh, OC, we've got. Uh, um, we've got Monica here on Salt Lake. We've got the entirety of New York as a cast, I think, really had an amazing rookie season. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I think Jessel's really the standout there. Um, and then, you know, hopefully we get to continue that. But, like, we've got a lot of good rookies, but I think the star amongst them right now is Monica. Mm -hmm. She hit the ground running from episode one, never hid anything. We're only, if like, I guess halfway through the season at this point, and she has not had a dead moment. She has not had a moment where I go, uh, mm, I don't really like her here. I don't like that. I don't like the other thing. No. Bitch is amazing. <laughs> like, and she has brought it every goddamn episode. Good on her. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. <laughs>